Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Standing on My Soapbox, the daily rant and radio show. We talk about all of the good, bad, and the ugly of current events. Join your host, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. You, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. Well, thank you, Katie, and welcome, everyone, to Standing on My Soapbox. Today is Monday, May thirteenth, two 2019. Brand new week of Great Talk Radio. We'll be talking about the news, politics, pop culture, and whatever's on your mind every day this week, Monday through Friday, from 1 to 2 Pacific Time, 4 to 5 Eastern Time. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton, and I'll be joined by my co-host, actor and writer, Mr. Craig Hurley, in just a little bit. We hope you'll call in and stand on my soapbox with us. Give us a call at 347-989-0126. That's 347-989-0126. So let's jump up on my soapbox and start talking. Craig, how are you doing this weekend? How was everything? Doing all right. Good, good. How's everything in beautiful uh, West Coast today? is warm. That's that's what I can say. Warm and dry. Warm and dry. And there's like no rain. Rain's over in Texas right now. Really, are we starting off with the weather? And we're looking at nor'easter in Maine and New York. So good times. A nor'easter in the middle of May. How does that work? I saw that. Rain showers off and on all weekend here. Yeah. It's been warm, but it's had well, some rain. Well, I all the time. Just actually finished and raining the, a couple minutes ago. The flooding that went on down in Texas over the weekend, that's that's good times. Houston got pummeled again. Crazy times. Like um, hurricane off of the coast of Australia for our Australian friends. Uh, heads up. I, I'm pretty sure they know. So I'm pretty sure they know they have a hurricane off their coast. That's about to make <laughs> my fall. We can hope. We can hope. So I talk about my, my how happy I am with my socks for five seconds on Friday, and look what happens over the day, weekend. You he, are with your socks. <laughs> yeah, notice that little dump at in the, the closing bell. Yeah, to over two and a half percent. We're down six hundred and sixteen points at the closing bell. Because well, it's a, it's a good thing you couldn't it. access that that seventeen thousand dollars, Scott. I know. <laughs> Come on, now you guys, go to Vegas. That... Go to Vegas. Hit the crap tables. Oh Come on, use that money wisely. It's as big a crap <laughs> as what the president it, does with his policies. That's for damn sure. Have just as much chance anymore. Hey, wait, 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 wait! We're not allowed to swear over the next five days. I thought you just said damn. I didn't. Did, so, did I, I? what? What constitutes swearing? Actually, yes, you did. You can say damn and hell because those are real words. But that's all we can okay. say. We're that's we're on it. a no swear zone for a week to see if we can do it, boys and girls. I don't think we can, but we're going to try. Oh, I yeah. But we can say I'm, damn I'm, and hell. I woke that's up this morning. 
just swearing. Every other word was a swear word. So I'm not sure if I can Did actually you? do that. Yeah. What got, what got you so riled first thing and out of bed? I've been having weird dreams. I've been actually dreaming like the non-man that I am. Most men don't dream because they actually work. So, what? Um, but, yeah. What kind of trouble are you trying to get us into? Say that again. Wait a second. Any of these men that are out there dreaming? Um, yeah, no. Most, you know, most most manly men don't don't freaking dream. They they lost sight of their dreams a long time ago because they actually work for a living. So, <laughs> so I've been dreaming lately. So wrong in so many ways. I love it. Oh my goodness. Uh, Self-deprecation. I um, actually but, had a dream. I had a dream on Saturday night. Now that you say that, it's really weird. I usually don't remember my dreams, but I remember I, I, it woke me up because I was having a dream. I was getting um, like a, a what you call it, a, a wisdom teeth out or something. And my mouth was wide open in the stream, and I woke up with my mouth still wide open, lockjawed. I couldn't close it for a couple seconds. It was really weird. And you're weird. drooling, drooling all over the place. I would imagine. I, I I would know I was totally dry, so I might have done it earlier. But my I was lockjawed and dry, dry mouth. It was very wow. weird. But I've never seen something um, like that, like dream with my mouth wide open that I was getting. Uh, a thing, and then all of a sudden I wake up and my mouth is wide open. And I can't close it, and it's totally dry mouth. It's very strange. Wow. Huh. I, you're supposed I to go with feelings, is. with feelings on dreams, not necessarily what the dreams are about. So, what all were right. you feeling? I was feeling that uh, that it wasn't hurting because I was getting this root canal, but they didn't do the anesthesia because I thought I was going to get knocked out. But I wasn't right. knocked out, so I could feel everything, but I couldn't feel it. So the anesthesia was good. <laughs> so that's what I was feeling at the time. My mouth was locked open getting it. So. That the anesthesia is good. What drugs the are you taking? The anesthesia was good. I know, really, huh? <laughs> so Before legal. you go to sleep. I know. I, yeah, I no, I don't know my... what's going on with Ohio. You guys are strange. You got some strange politicians there. You guys keep we going do. back and forth on stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff. It's years to get anything. Once something gets done, it takes years. For the, like so I told you, the marijuana path, medical marijuana only, passed right. two years ago. The first well, dispensary passed, opened a month way, and a half ago. All the way ago. across the United States. That passed right. all the way across the United States. And it takes a long time. To, once they go recreational, once a state decides to go recreational, it takes a long time. It takes a couple of years for them to actually implement something, unless you're in Nevada. And Nevada immediately opened up a recreational dispensary the second that they, right. that they, um, that they legalized. Um, yeah, because well, they, had uh, to do because they can trust their percent. police department. Right. A lot of it has to do years with the here Because department. they had to get the dispensary licenses, and they had to get the growers' licenses, and they had to get yeah, the inspectors to inspect the dispensaries oh, and growers and with so much red tape, so the first all, one finally opened all a bunch of crap. All that red tape is a bunch of crap. Look, you already have your growers. They're in jail. So take them out of jail and let them <laughs> grow like they need to and because they're experts at it. And you already have your, your dispensary owners, and those are your dealers, and they're in jail. So let them out of jail 
and let them dispense like they need to. Because these, you know, it's coming from us. It's coming from we the people. We want this accepted. So those are the people that offered it to us in the first place. Those are the people that grew it for us in the first place. Let them do their jobs. They're great at it. And we need to stop privatizing prisons anyway. We need to let out all nonviolent drug-related crimes. So let them out. We're already costing taxpayers way too much money, or I should say you are, not you, Scott, personally, but the people that are, that are in charge of all this. Um, you know, you're already costing us way too much money, and we don't want these people in jail any longer. Let them out and let them do their jobs. Hire them there immediately. Yeah, I mean, they would be the experts. That's for dang sure. You'd think they'd be able to figure yeah. that out. Yeah. But as yeah, long like as we said, keep Ohio's prisons so privatized. They were slow on that. We approved two years ago to, to fix the gerrymandering of the district. We wanted a nonpartisan um, committee to do districts, but it, it, took a Supreme, it took a judge last month to approve gerrymandering and say it's going to fix. But now our uh, Ohio Attorney General is fighting that and saying, no, they don't want to change it because, of course, it's Republican 14 to 4. They have 14 seats. We have four here. It's ridiculous. But everything really goes slow. Mindset. Yeah, I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I'm in the whole uh, long time. I felt that Democrats are too weak and that Republicans are being too abusive. And I, I'm, I'm just not understanding the mindset. They just want to get in and just screw shit up. I, you know, I don't what are you doing? We're all trying to move forward here in this life. We're all trying to live the best quality of life that we can. And you just in there screwing shit up. Uh, sorry, I swore again. I'm not allowed to say shit. You did. We'll let that one pass. I think that one will be okay. Really? You can't go any worse. <laughs> okay, so, so shit. Hell but we'll damn. keep them to a minimum. Keep them <laughs> to a minimum. <laughs> okay, the trifecta. I'll keep the trifecta. There you go. Trifecta is hell and damn and a little shit mixed in. But that's all. No more than those three. And then we're done. We we can't cover perfecta? You can't include ass in this one? (laughs) I'm trying to find out how many swear words I can actually say. I'd rather you say say that he's an ass than some of the things we've said in the past. So, yeah, that's okay. They, they, they just said ass on American Idol, so uh, isn't ass allowed? And isn't it just a? Is they when they talk about Katy Perry, or what are they talking no. about? That's funny. <laughs> um, no, actually, um, uh, I think Lionel Richie said you kick some ass to whichever oh, contestant okay. he was talking to. Gotcha. I think it's Ella. Well, are they down to the finale? You want? I stopped yeah, watching once they kicked yeah, off the, the gay church guy. That pissed me off. They're like under that. the final three. Yeah, but you know, Jeremiah, the, the gay church guy, <laughs> is that yeah, his title right. now? Um, yeah. uh, I think his name is Jeremiah. I'm not positive. Um, I think you're but, right. Uh, nah, he's, it's he's sad that you know more than I know. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, yeah, I do know uh, a lot uh, about um, things that maybe a, a heterosexual male shouldn't know about, but I do. I'm, I'm an artist. 
So I I I do tend to, you know, pay attention to So who the, made the final uh, three? Did your Alejandro guy or whatever make the Alejandro? final three? Alejandro, yeah, yeah. Alejandro right. is a dude, he's a he's a musician. This guy is, you know, straight up a musician. He's not I've never seen anybody play guitar the way that he plays. And, and, you know, I, I do play guitar. I kind of suck. Is that another swear word that I can say? So there's five. Um, so suck. Um, and, and, uh, even though that's kind of acceptable now, isn't it? But, um, I kind of suck at the guitar and, and where I've never, and I've been around a whole bunch of people that are great. I mean, amazing guitar players, uh, guitarists. I've, you know, I attended the Chicago Academy for the Arts when I was in high school and, um, uh, people like, uh, 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 shit, I can't even think. Wow, I can't even think. I, I had so many people in my in my class and, and that amazing guitarists, and they're currently uh, like the bass guitarist for Filter. Um, God, I can't remember Leonardo. I can't remember his freaking last name. Um, and uh, Gino, Gino Leonardo. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Gino is his first name. Uh, yeah, he's an amazing, amazing bass guitarist. You know, his is uh, Hey Man, Nice Shot. That's his bass line. So yeah, I just I, for filter for the rock group filter. Um, he um, uh, guys like that I grew up with, and I've never seen anybody play like Alejandro plays. I've never seen it. So I am absolutely amazed at at what he does as far as the guitar nice. work, and then his voice is you know his voice and his arrangements because he's a composer because of the way he plays, he composes and, and arranges all of the songs that they give him. So he, it's a different arrangement for a song, you know, like he just did no woman, no, uh, no woman, no cry from Bob Marley. And uh, it, it, it's just a completely different arrangement from Bob Marley's arrangement. And it's uh, just as amazing. So nice. I, I, yeah. What about I, the Elvis kid? Did the yeah. Elvis kid make it through? Yeah, he's up there. Yeah, Lane made it through. I think Lane is his name. Oh, um, Lane. That's, I thought it, it was like Blaine or Biff or something. Okay, Lane. Yeah. And what about yeah. what about the big guy with the deep voice? Did he make it through? No, Wade. Wade didn't. He didn't make it through. Sorry, I'm I'm giving you American Idol spoilers. Um, if you did the young it, chick make it through? The and, young girl. And no, no, the AI. AI. I call her AI because. For I don't know how long artificial intelligence. That she is absolutely a computer. Okay, for for the entire run of this show, she has hit every single note like square on, dude. Like like not flat, not sharp, just perfect. And I'm like, that's AI, dude. Somebody programmed that voice, and she knows <laughs> she can hit every single every single thing. And she kind of to me looks like. AI, you know what I mean? It's like she's she's there's too like if there's too she's too perfect blonde, you know. I mean it's like it's too it's too even her teeth and and her mouth and her nose and her eyes and it's just like too nicely designed. And oh, that's the and blonde I'm, chick you're talking about. I thought you were talking yeah, about the, the young dark haired girl. Oh no, that's Madison. Madison. That's Madison, and yeah, yeah. she made it through. Um, okay. There's there's three. There's Alejandro Lane and and Madison. No, I'm I didn't about, think the blonde uh, was that good of a singer. Lacey. They always said she Lacey. was good, but the oh, no, times I heard her, I didn't think she was that good. 
No, she was freaking awesome all the way to this last show. Um, I don't know if somebody like missed on the programming for tonight <laughs> when they were <laughs> when her programmer was in there and pushing some buttons and making sure that she could hit certain notes a certain way. Uh, I no, it didn't happen. Um, she was sharp and she was flat on a couple of notes. And I'm you know I'm like okay, well you know her programmer needed to you know pay attention. Uh, what was going on there, so, as far as the artific- artificial intelligence is concerned. So, and right, then, so final and, yeah, three is the eldest guy and yep. the young dark-haired girl and yeah. Madison, Madison, Lane, and Alondra. Yeah. And I really like where Lane has gone. Uh, we've seen him grow. Uh, we've seen him actually take on a persona. And we really do need a, a, like a new Elvis way in the music industry we we do need that um we're always you know wanting stuff like that as far as an audience is concerned and uh you know i i used to mimic elvis as well he doesn't really mimic elvis um he like i said he's he's got his own persona and yeah it's a little elvis light but uh but it's his own thing and i and i like to see that that you know this country boy who who was just wearing t-shirts and jeans and you know and and that he grew into this thing and found this thing that he could really do so right. I, I think it's cool you know he's going to have to reinvent himself after this anyway so that's what you know an actual you know musician does um they just keep reinventing themselves over and over and over we have to do that as actors too we have to reinvent ourselves all the right. time. I mean, I don't, I don't look anything like I did when I was, you know, 30 years ago. So, you know, you have to keep reinventing what you're doing. So next week will be the last week then. They do, what are they doing? They uh, do it on, do they vote the same day on Sunday? Or are they going to finish it on Monday? Like vote I on Sunday have, and finish on I, Monday? I have no idea. Uh, you'll have to talk to my fiance about that one. She's the one that, um, my fiance, Katie, she's the one that, um, uh, actually, he keeps tabs on all of that. I don't, I don't really have a clue as to when the next show is. I'm still catching up on oh, Game <laughs> Are you still watching that? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Hold on a second. Katie says they finished Sunday with a three-hour finale. Oh, my so goodness. They finished Sunday with a three-hour finale. It's going to be Gilligan's Island of... American Idol. Nice. A three-hour finale. Three hours. That's what I do in all those shows now. Survivor has three hours finales and all that stuff. All the reality shows are after the big three-hour finales. Well, I don't know if, if American show. Idol... No, American Idol's not a reality show, dude. It's a variety show. There's a difference, and I think people are confused. A big well, I don't know. It, it's, reality, it's a variety so show. It's, you're you're giving you're giving variety of of people's voices and how they sing and how they play guitar or play piano or whatever other instrument they play. So it's it's variety. Reality is these idiots who can't act, can't sing, can't play a musical instrument. Um, they're up there because most of the people out there just kind of know who they are because they're dumbass celebrities like the Kartrashians. 
So, you know, that's that's it. That's it. They've got no talent. Zero freaking talent. Yet they've got millions of dollars because of a reality show. So, well, and also... Yeah, bad, but my you know, problem, I got to tell you, my lawyer. problem, I noticed it on American Idol the couple times I watched this year, and The Voice was doing the same thing. That's why I stopped watching them. It's turned into a popularity reality show because the reason I say that is because they don't wait until they finish performing. You start voting before the first thing starts. So that's, you're not judging anyone. You're just doing a personality contest who's a popularity contest. Because they open up the voting both on Idol and on the other one. As soon as the show opens, you can start voting. So not one voice is saying yet, but you're going to, how are you supposed to vote for someone who's the best? If they haven't sang yet. When you have so it's even, a reality show now. It's voice, not a competition. Yeah, I, it's not I a can see that that, part, that that part of it. Huh? That that part of it. I can see that that part of it um, is is very reality show like. But we've always yeah. seen from the Gong Show. We've you know had the opportunity. The judges are voting immediately. So I, you know I, we do. We've been doing variety shows since you know freaking vaudeville. Uh, 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 so, um, you know, there is there is a difference. And I and I do understand that something like American Idol has become more of a machine and and very, you know, like you just said, popularity. But variety shows are popularity contests, you know, where reality shows are just these no talents getting on camera and making their producers a whole bunch of money because the producers it only costs one hundred thousand dollars to produce a reality show. So for for every week. Where it costs, you know, uh, two million, two point five million for an episode of some drama. So even a, an episode of of like Will and Grace is up there because of who they've got, you know, as far as sitcoms are concerned, as far as who they have as actors. It's, you're way up there. You're up in the near five million, six million range per episode. So right. you know, it's it's a big, big difference in in the talent that's there and and as opposed to the no talent it's a huge difference i have said this in the past you know even idiot in chief uh you know he's a reality show host that's all this guy is and and, you know put him up on stage with a real actor doing some real parts you know you know macaulay culkin in home alone even kicked his ass in that one scene absolutely kicked his ass as far as acting is concerned 45 can't act. He's a reality show host. So put him up on well, stage with I, I somebody would, who actually no can act and they'll tear him, him up. No one would call him an actor. He, he wouldn't call himself an actor. I mean, there, there's, like I said, a lot of those, I don't think anyone on a reality show is an actor. They act, but they're not an actor. They're I wouldn't horrible. call any of them an actor by profession. Freaking horrible. Well, but that's, well, what they're, they're not that's what they're doing. That's not their job, though. That's not their job is to act. Their yeah, job it's supposed to be real. It's supposed to be real, right? right? Yeah, it's right. not real. None of it, nothing on a reality show is real, from what I can see. Right. I, Katie had the opportunity to, to do a reality show. One of the they wanted to bring a bunch of novella stars together, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. So you guys get to throw wine on each other. What the hell? None of this is real. You don't hang out together in the first place. So they're gonna put you all together in a house. This makes zero sense. And she was like, yeah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing it because I'm actually an actress. So, 
know, and that well, I know Rockanell, her friend Rockanell was in something like that, a, a combination between a reality show and a soap. It was so kind of fake. Yeah. Because my buddy Enrique um, Pena was in it. And Enrique, yeah. uh, I forget what it's called now. Um, yeah. And, oh, no, but they they were actually going to do a reality show, and it ended up they didn't do it. So, so because there were that people be that were like, "No, I'm I'm an actor," or "No, I'm an actress," and "No, I'm not doing your show." So, what are you going to have? You're going to have a bunch of schlock freaking actors that that think they're good, and they're not, and they're just all just doing this just crap. It's all it's all fake. Everything's fake in a reality show. Right. Well, let's see. We're 24 minutes. We haven't talked about any news yet except for Little Wall Street. Let's see if there's any news worth talking about here. Uh, well, in, in Southern California here, um, we've had two accidents over the past two days or three days over the weekend that um, uh, were supposedly caused by street racing. And I, oh, really? I, I yeah, uh, and both of them have uh, uh, first degree vehicular manslaughter charges because in both accidents, someone died. And um, I, I'm not a proponent of street racing. Um, I think that guys soup up their cars to actually go out and race. Uh, that is what they're doing. Um, I, I feel like it should be sanctioned. Um, I feel like, uh, you should invite all of those people that want to street race to come down and do an ego challenge in some commerce area of whatever city you're in. Say it's Pomona, California, Pomona, California actually has a drag racing facility. They actually have a racetrack. Yeah, drive by the, so the, the why don't the fair? Okay, LA yeah, County at fair the fair. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So why don't you, as officials, know that people are going to be racing on the street, and then it's extremely dangerous, especially for innocent bystanders. It, it's extremely dangerous, and they will what get caught. What city were they doing this? Were they both in the same city or different cities? Uh, no, different cities. Uh, one was uh, up in, I think it was Alhambra, um, and then the other one was down in South Central. So it's two different cities and, and two different, you know, two, but my point is, is that we have to know that guys and gals are out there doing this, and they're going to continue to do this regardless of what the laws are. When we lived in Miami, I, I witnessed people um, Katie and I lived on uh, 135th and Biscayne, okay? And there's like a huge straightaway between 135th, even though it passes by a Miami-Dade police <laughs> department um, office and jail. Um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, it, there's a huge straightaway between 163rd, I think it is, and 130 and, and 135th. So, and, and I watched guys every single night jamming down that thing and they were all in groups so it's an organized thing it's not like it's a it's not like it's a um uh a, a thing that's just spur of the moment it's not like two guys just sitting at a, at a stoplight and say go 
that's not the, the way it's working. They actually have it organized. They're, they're communicating with each other. They know when the lights are green. They, they, they've got it all. They know when there's no police around, all of that stuff. They've got it very well organized. And, and I actually saw two guys collide and they were doing about a hundred miles an hour down Biscayne. And the, the, what happened was all the cars stopped. There were like six cars involved. They, they all stopped the, and the two guys that collided were racing and the, they all stopped their cars in the middle of Biscayne, got out, picked up all the pieces, threw the pieces to the side and got the car off of the road and parked it in the parking lot next to where they wiped out. So that there were there was no emergency assistance involvement at all, and you know no police involvement, no 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 nobody involvement, and except for their own little group. And then I saw them all drive away, and leave the leaving the one wrecked car in the parking lot to deal with later. But there's not going to be any anybody dealing with. They just have to call a tow truck, and say you know I lost control of my car. It's very easy to to have them just pick up their own automobile, but you have to know that these things are are happening, and you and you have to understand that it's going to continue to happen. So my point is, organize it as as a city, as a, as a state, even organize it so that every Friday night, every Thursday night, every Saturday night, you have sanctioned drag racing. Call it an ego challenge. And go. Saga Speedway used to do this in in California before they um, before they got shut down after the earthquake in '94. They used to have a thing called the Ego Challenge, and where you can take your own car out there and race your own car. And it's it's very similar to that. You have every single participant sign an insurance waiver. You have all of the spectators sign insurance waivers because shit happens. Eh, I swear again. Um, but you know, cars wipe out and they go off the road and they go over the barriers and they happen to take out some of the spectators that does happen. Um, so, and that happens in NASCAR. It doesn't, you know, that happens in, in our best of races. Um, and, and our most sanctioned races and our most regulated races, that stuff still happens. There's spectators that get killed all the time by flying tires and flying debris. Um, but, you have everybody sign an insurance waiver and you have them pay. You have them pay 20 bucks to get on the track. And so it's, and then you go time trials and you, you know, and everybody, you know, the winner takes home a trophy, takes home a prize, takes home some coupons, take whatever it is, offer some incentive, you know, even a $5,000 prize is great because then these guys are like, all right, cool. I can buy something new for my, I can buy another chip for my, my car. You know, I can buy a, another muffler system. I can buy whatever it is I blew up. I can buy a new engine if I need to. So, you know, it's, it, it's, that's, that's the way it should be looked at because these, these people are going to go out and race. And we've got two deaths of innocent bystanders deaths in the past, over the past three days. It was actually Saturday and Sunday, so, or Friday and Saturday. So Friday and, so over two days, period of time, you got two deaths because you aren't handling it correctly. That's very as sad. A state, as an official. But they need to be showing Greece in high school, and then they'd go to the washes in Pico Rivera and Azusa and just see, do it down there where nobody else also, Yeah, dude. I mean, easily sanctioned some stuff where, you know, you set up a barrier, people sit on the side of the L.A. River and, and watch the races. 
you know, there's always, there's, exactly. there's so many places, there's so many places to actually do it. I would do it in a commerce area. I would do it in an area that's mostly warehouses so that you don't have, you know, a lot of pedestrian traffic. Like I wouldn't do it down the middle of, you know, Sunset Boulevard, although that would be really cool um, because it would attract a, a lot of attention uh, and bring in a lot of money for the businesses that are right there. But I would do it in a, in a, in a, like a warehouse area and then tell people that you're doing it and be like, come on out, you know, watch the races. And I guarantee you, you get, you get 10,000 spectators easy, probably 20. So, and all those people have to, you know, also, you know, if they're, if they're too close to the barriers and stuff like that, and then they have to sign waivers as they're entering the area. I would make it free for spectators and, you know, that would just be awesome. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Oh, we're 30 minutes, 32 minutes in. Let's go ahead and take a break. Play a little Hayden McHugh here. Uh, a little uh, Thrill the Chase. Uh, no, that's actually Hayden Joseph. Hayden Joseph, Thrill the Chase. Be back in three minutes, guys. Give us a call, 347-989-0126. got about 25 minutes left. Here we go. This was fun. I hope we do it again. But make me wait a while before giving in. Cause if it's too easy, I am gonna get bored. Give me a lift, so I'm bound to one more. I'm not a fan of feeling sure. It ain't higher. Reputation. 
patient but keep us on the edge of our seats. They don't need a million dollars or labels on their collars. That ain't how our interests are peaked. It's not about putting now, but rather casting some doubt. Round the way that they're feeling, keep us wondering how long they might make us wait. We're all about the thrill of Taxes? None? They're exempt? 
What is the deal? Force them to yeah, force them to pay taxes. So there's that. I saw that today. What else did I see? Um, I guess the showrunner and CEO of uh, Fox said that this year is going to be Empire's last year, and he's not confirming if Smollett will be back on for the last season or not, but they are going to finish everything up this season. So they get yeah, there's, one final season. Well, there's still a big deal out, out there. And, okay, it actually happened. Just everybody knows it actually did happen. He actually got beat, um, but it was by two black guys. It was not by two white guys, like he claimed. Um, but he actually, it did happen and he didn't set it up and it was set up by somebody else and they are not charging him for making false police reports because it actually happened. It's the Chicago police department. It's the same problem with the corruption with the Chicago police department as it is for the legalist legalization of weed they they press charges when they shouldn't have pressed charges and in this in legalization of weed you can't trust them with billions of dollars so it's the same idea you can't trust them not to press charges on somebody that 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 doesn't need charges pressed so um and you can't trust them with billions of dollars in their pockets or to be security for billions of dollars it really comes down to that, and they're trying to get out of it. They're trying to snake out of it. They're trying to be like, no, 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 it's not us. It's Jussie. When no, it's not. Jussie actually got attacked, so he just had his information wrong. He probably couldn't see after getting attacked on who was attacking him, so it's assumed. But I don't know unless he was trying to cause some type of controversy between hate crimes and what's going on right now with the current administration. You know, and he may have been doing that too, like I said in the past, to get publicity. Um, And there's other ways to get publicity, but he did not, he did, was not involved in the people beating him up or the organizing of people beating him up. Uh, That's, that's what this really comes down to is that the Chicago police department doesn't want to look like a bunch of fools. And really, they should just back up and go, okay, what's wrong? What's going on? And do some internal investigations and make sure that those people that are making you look like a fool get kicked out of there. Fire them. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, Unfortunately, they have had such a bad past that they don't really have any room. They, they, you can't, they don't have any credibility in it, so – even if it was all true, they wouldn't have any credibility. So I don't know what they're looking for. It'll be interesting to see. They don't know if he's going to come back or not, but they're going to do one final season. We'll see what happens. What else we have going on? Uh, oh, speaking of us not swearing today, I guess Bill Nye, the science guy, was on um, – John Oliver's show this weekend and let the meth bombs fly. And so it's, it's, he's getting good reviews for it. Unlike us, he's getting good reviews for it because Bill Nye doesn't let F bombs fly that often. 
but they were talking uh, about climate change. And he was a little heated. Uh, but well, I got a little heated with uh, with uh, um, John Oliver, so I'll have to look for that. Bill but uh, but yeah, he said something like the planet is on effing fire is one of his words. Is that what he a couple said? other things. It's like nice. it's all about, oh, it's about time. So. Yeah, it's about time. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. We have to have our stuff. scientists, our scientists stand up and say, look, and and really, you know, start swearing and getting into people's faces, because it's absolutely ludicrous. We, seriously, guys, we've got a nor'easter that's probably going to bring snow to Maine and New York um, just now, right now, currently, and a nor'easter in the middle of May, a nor'easter. I'm going to keep repeating myself because <laughs> until you get it, uh, a nor'easter, they don't happen in May. They just, they just the don't happen in May. Where's coming from? Because usually nor'easters, don't they usually come more southern than that? I thought it's warm down there. Um, Nor'easters usually uh, do no. They come straight across. They're they're a they okay. they will start from the south, um, and, and but they they're usually starting from the west. We've had so many storms just popping up, low pressure systems popping up all over the world. But even in the United States, look at last week. It, you know the the weather people, the weather forecasters were freaking out all last week. I was simply saying that, yes, we're going to have some very bad storms and rain and snow and and tornadoes in Texas, Louisiana, all that, not snow, but snow in the, in the northern states. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, it's because these low-pressure systems are just popping up out of nowhere. They didn't do that in the past. Our climate has changed it's not like it's, it's, it's changing. It has changed. And so our weather will be more dramatic. It will be more severe. That is what Bill Nye and, and other scientists that have been studying climate change and studying weather patterns and studying science fact for their entire lives are saying. And that's why they're getting to the point where they're starting to swear at you because you're being a dumbass. I can say that. I can say dumbass, right? Yeah, so, that's okay. You know, they're going to they're gonna start swearing at you because they, they, they know no other way to get through to you. You know, you, you have to pay attention. And we're trying to get through to you. So, And we're trying not to insult you. And we're trying to educate you at the same time. I'm one of these people, you know, that's like, okay, look, it's obvious to me. What is happening? Why isn't it obvious to you? But right. I haven't dropped an F-bomb, not at all today. You've done good. You've done good. Let's get a caller, 347-989-0126, so that I can drop an F-bomb. <laughs> no. Come on, one of you dumbasses, give me a call. Do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Hey, um, we can go back to one of our running themes we've had the last couple of weeks. Uh, $300 million has been added to Impossible Foods by celebrities jumping on board right now. Jay-Z, wow. Katy Perry, Serena Williams, Jay Well, that Smith, should be our – that should Trevor be one Nord. of our sponsors. Dude, we were talking about Impossible Foods when I had an Impossible Dog at, uh, at the, the dog house in um, Chicago. It's on right. uh, Lincoln. And right across from Victory Gardens Theater. 
and they have an impossible burger and they have an impossible dog there. And dude, they, I mean, that burger was one of the best burgers I've ever had. And it's made of tofu. So, or soy. I don't, I don't know. I think it's tofu. It's a combination of stuff. It's a veggie burger. Plant-based. Yeah, it's, it's all plant-based. Yeah. But you know what? I was reading more because we have talked about it a lot the last couple of weeks and everything, and it's supposed to taste very, 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 very similar. You, a lot of people can't tell the difference. We talked last week about uh, they tried the, Gen Be- the Glenn Beck show on Friday, and they were fooled. Um, they picked the wrong one for the regular one. And so they have all these celebrities getting into it now. They've now raised $750 million in venture capital this year so far for it. But then I was reading on it more this weekend, and you know what? I don't understand the concept of it unless you don't want to kill cows. That's got to be the real reason behind it. Because impossible burgers are 240 calories, and a regular burger is 290 calories. You're only saving 50 calories. Um, and all the toppings yeah, and everything makes it kind of the uh, same. Calories are burned. It's how your body utilizes those calories. It's it's different calorie, you know. It's 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 different fat calories are different, dude. Your body's not going to or beef steak and beef sits in your system for hours on end. It can be days. Where vegetables okay. immediately go through your system. Those calories are like are are gone. Those calories are, are, are All right, well that up. helps me out a bit more because I was reading out yeah. the nutritional wise it's nutritionally, it's not much better than a burger, and it has a lot more chemicals, not chemicals, but it has a lot more stuff that goes into it, man-made stuff, than just a regular old slab of beef. So there's like so much more stuff added to it. I didn't, so know, I didn't know what the benefit that was. That they were adding preservatives? That doesn't make any sense. But not, not preservatives, but the stuff they're adding, like they're using pea proteins or something for part right. of it for the taste. and they're, It just, instead of a burger, which is basically Period ground beef, right? Maybe maybe a a couple of things added, not much. Uh, as opposed to Impossible Burger has like fifteen things in its ingredient list. None of them are necessarily bad for you. They're just all a lot of stuff. Right. So it's like I'm trying to figure out what the big advantage is besides saving the well, cows. But if, yeah, if it is well, more digestible, I haven't read that part yet. So the, the more digestible, that makes sense too. I was just trying to figure out. I just want to learn more about it. We went to Vegas over the weekend, and uh, because Katie's um, friend Sabrina uh, had a birthday, and so we were celebrating her birthday. Yeah, Um, and we went down to uh, to Fremont Street. I don't know why I was. I don't know why I made this. Something you just said is making me make this segue. Um, But um, oh, because we ate at a restaurant. That had um, veal meatballs, dude. I you know I don't normally eat baby cow, but like I said, um, that you know when when it's there and it's prepared for me already, and somebody else orders it, <laughs> yeah, I'll eat it. Um, so nice. Um, yeah, <sighs> veal meatballs. Oh man, they were so good. It was so that so sounds good. good. Yeah, and then we went down to so Fremont you did the Street Fremont experience then, oh, the good old cool. Vegas Fremont really, experience. Really, really cool because I filmed down there when I was doing Nasty Boys. We we filmed down there when it was just Fremont Street. It, it was I was going to say nothing. that's before they I mean, closed it though, right? That's, a, that's before right they before they closed it. it. That's before they tore down Fitzgerald's. 
ah, ah. I'm like, oh, where's know, Fitzgerald? And and because uh, I actually won there, and uh, I won a um, I won a thousand dollars on a slot machine and a six foot tall panda stuffed panda. Nice <laughs> at Fitzgerald. In did you and Katie do the zip line? Whatever. Uh, no, no, but we did watch many people um, doing the zip line, and uh, they were all doing the Superman through, you know, through that like mini tunnel there with the with the enclosure on Fremont Street. Um, I, what I did witness on Fremont Street was about ten sets of really bad parenting, um, <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I I don't know. I mean, it's like one o'clock in the morning, and you know, uh, you really shouldn't be bringing your kids down to Fremont Street. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, it was very interesting. Um, and then um, uh, what was? I wish I had one of those 360 cameras that you know walking walking through so that I could catch everything. Uh, but but we didn't. And you know, like there were moments where where um uh, oh and i don't want to swear because of what this this little black lady is walking through the middle of the crowd and she's got a, a little bit of a, a, an entourage around her and she's wearing a bridal gown and and she's on the cell phone and she's like i'm gonna have that mfers ass and i'm like oh where's oh, the groom no. Oh no! <laughs> it's like, oh, I feel so bad for her. Where's the groom right now? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. But I but wish we would have had one of those. Did you happen to drop a nickel or a, or a chip anywhere? Oh no, actually, yeah, we went into Four Queens and uh, finally got to uh, like gamble a little bit because I haven't gambled at all going out to the West Coast. And, uh, I haven't, I didn't, you know, we were in Vegas a couple of weeks ago too. And I didn't, you know, I, I haven't, didn't go into a casino at all. Um, but I was going to play some craps and, but Katie has never played before. So she's never gambled before. So I was like, okay, it's 20 bucks. We're only going to be in here for 15 minutes and go to a slot machine that you pick and do max credits all the time. And she did that, and she lost her twenty bucks in like well, I don't know sixty seconds. And then, <laughs> and then um, uh, I was like, okay, now I'm just gonna go and put twenty bucks into the machine. I want to win a car. I'm, I always go after like the big stuff. If you're gonna go after, you know, go after the mega millions, and and I'm always going right. after like a car. Um, so and they had this like at the Four Queens, they had a, a Mustang GT 350. I'm probably right. not going. Uh, yeah, I'm probably not going to accept the car. I would probably accept the buyout um, just because it's a Mustang GT350. Um, you know, if it were a Corvette, I might think twice um, about you know whether or not I accept the, the car or the buyout. But I came, I put uh, 20 bucks into a machine, and then I got I got Katie's money back, and I came 500 credits away from getting the uh, getting the car. And I was like, oh, oh wow. you know, I was like, I hit, yeah, I, I, I hit almost exactly what we needed for the car. And, uh, wow. and I was like, oh, so close. And, and then, but I did win um, her money back and the four queens for the evening, um, they let us go even. So I would like to thank them for that. You know, we had a, nice. a great evening. I can't think of the name of the restaurant that we went to. It's something kitchen. And it's right there off of Fremont Street. It's it's uh, about two blocks off of Fremont Street or a block um, over on uh, Carson. 
and I, um, maybe it's a Carson kitchen. I, maybe that, maybe that's it. I, I, uh, I'll, I'll get the name. Um, but uh, really, really, really good food over there, and they've nice. got these really, really awesome desserts. Um, Can we, we move a, it down to like old... a fried donut thing? Nice. When we went down to Old Town last year, um, we went to the new hotel across from Four Queens, D or something. The big D or whatever it is. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, yeah, the D. Yeah, it's just the D. Ooh, I, I won 600 D. bucks in the D on some yeah. game there. Oh, no, they've got a Corvette. Yeah. yeah, they got a Corvette there to win. I was tempted to walk into there. But Pinions also has a car, too, and I don't know what it was. I, yeah, I really like loud, Old though. Town. He is very, very loud. So it, is D loud? It was, yeah, D's pretty loud. Go like a hard rock. Right. Lots of music and everything. All right, we only have four minutes left, so we do have to say goodbye to uh, Miss Doris Day today. Doris Day yeah. passed away in 97. So yep. uh, I, I like the little Doris Day. She's very cool. Um, uh, someone else. Years uh, old. Tom, pretty impressive. Tom uh, Fowler, the, the guy that did Wild Kingdom, he passed away last week. And then, oh, I did uh, see that. Yeah, and then... Um, uh, uh, Ken Kerchival, I met him for about a half second last week. Um, he died as well. And Ken Kerchival was on Dallas, was on the TV series right. Dallas. Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and he played my dad on Highway to Heaven. So um, there's, uh, you know, there's a, there's, I've got all these zero degree of separation people dying on me. I, and, you know, dude, okay, well, at least I'm here now so I can see some of these people before they do kick it. So, you know. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, still missing Luke Perry. So, yeah, Doris Day. All right, dude. Well, we got to wrap it up. Another quick day of radio. Join us tomorrow, guys. One o'clock Pacific. One o'clock Eastern. Give us a call three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six. Play out little Jay Knight tonight. Stay tuned for uh, best of Lefty Straight Show. We're going to do our very last replay, Palm Springs for last year. To get ready to start our new shows in just two weeks, and we'll have an all new live Lefty Straight Show tomorrow. Thank you very much, Mr. Craig, for standing on the soapbox. I appreciate it, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it too. Uh- We'll see y'all guys tomorrow. Good job. Bye-bye. Peace. Well, I guess it would be nice If I could touch your body I know not everybody Has got a body like you I think twice before I give my heart away And I know all the games you play Because I play them too Oh, but I
Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail. It's always happy hour somewhere. And enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton. We are doing our very last show live on the big gay road trip here in Palm Springs, California. We are at the Indulge Resort having a great time. I have a great show for you today. We have Jasper Cole on. We have Billy Cliff. We have David Milburn. They're going to be sitting here pacing while I go through all these thank yous that I have to do for so long here. But welcome to the show, everyone. We are heading back to Ohio. We'll be back late next week. We're going to go up to uh, through Seattle first and then head across the country. I've got to give a big thank you to our host these past 20 days at Indulge Resort. We have John Jackson, his husband Sandy, and the manager Raymond have taken such good care of us here. Really appreciate it. Beautiful room, beautiful pool, so much fun. If you have a chance, come on down. They are doing a summer special still for the next couple weeks where you can do Sunday through Thursday for $99 each. They do a happy hour every day from 6 to 7 with free booze and cocktails and soft drinks. They have a free morning breakfast buffet, kind of a breakfast every morning. On Saturdays, they give you free rum punches by the pool from 1 to 3 where they deliver it personally. And on Sundays, margaritas from 1 to 3 by the pool. So. Lots of fun. Come on down to the Indulge. Big thank you to our sponsors of the Big Gay Road Trip, True FM Media in Columbus, Ohio. Tony Guadagnino that does all of my social media posting on Twitter. Thank you, Tony Guad. Uh, Sebastian Wright, right here in uh, beautiful Palm Springs, who does facials and all these great things. Yoga Works, CBT Candle out of L.A. Escape Room Palm Springs. We haven't done another escape room last night, guys. It was kind of fun. We did a Merlin's Magic class, mm-hmm. and we actually escaped. It was our third one we tried while we were here. We were we drowned in the Titanic room, and we were eaten by the vampires. <laughs> and the vampires but we did escape Merlin's Magic School last night, so that was very cool. So big thank you to Escape Room Palm Springs for letting us run through there. Had some great food from restaurants this past uh, four weeks here. Mm-hmm. 849, just tapas, salads in a jar. High Smile, Pinocchio's, Sherman's Deli, Ruby's Diner, and today we have from the world famous Lulu's on the Palm Desert Strip there, we have lobster rolls, and I have pictures coming on Instagram soon. We have curry chicken salad, we have a chicken club sandwich, we have homemade hummus, good stuff, so thanks to all the restaurants that have been through. We did talk yesterday about the uh, Vegas side trip on the Big Gay Road Trip. 
Big thanks to all our concert. We had a Caliber Hotel, Randy Slovacek and his husband Michael hooked us up with tickets to, uh, of course, Chippendales and Legends of Concert. Press Hilton hooked us up there, uh, Beatles Love, so many great things. A big thanks out to there. And a big thank you to all my guests that have been here for the last four weeks, driving all the way out from L.A. to Palm Springs. We've got a couple of guests that are local, but thanks to everybody out there. Yesterday we had a fantastic show. Ronnie Kroll, Michael Vaccaro, Scott Travis, Theo Robinson. If you missed any of our shows, we've got a couple of opportunities for you here. You can always go to iTunes, to Spreaker, to Blog Talk Radio, subscribe. You'll never miss one. Uh, iHeartRadio. But I'm going to do a special since next weekend is Labor Day, and I'm not going to be on, I'll be on the road, not on the air. I'm going to replay every Palm Springs show from Sunday through Sunday next week. So if you missed any of the episodes, be sure to tune in. They'll be playing live on tape each of those days. And again, like I said, you can check any of the archives all over the place. Subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. So good stuff. And then we'll be back live for Left Street Radio on Monday, September 10th, back in Ohio. We have 23-year-old Swedish and Dutch lesbian singer Chrissy Lee calling in from Switzerland. That's going to be exciting. And author Brad Barber will be uh, back to talk about his new book, After the Fall, and The Intersect will be coming out pretty soon. But guys, it's ready to jump into today's show. Thanks very much for being so patient as I went through all that. I appreciate it. <laughs> wow. Impressive. On the show today, I have three of my favorite people in the world here. We have Jasper Cole. You know him as one of the most memorable character actors in the movies and television. When he is a tough guy or a memorable character... He cleans down well. Some people <laughs> clean up well. Jasper cleans down. Oh, thank you. Uh, he does very good. Uh, he's the host of his very own radio show on UVN Radio, one-on-one with Jasper Cole. He has uh, done some of the most fascinating characters and interviewed some great people in Hollywood. You've probably caught him on Westworld and American Horror Story, uh, Training Day. So many more. We'll be talking to him in just a couple seconds. Welcome to the show. Great. Jasper. Thank you, buddy. So good to see you. Nice to meet you in person. Right. It's fantastic. We've always been on the airwaves talking. It's, it's always been. It's from afar. But I wanted to be here. So Same thing with Billy and David. We got to be right before I left here, about two weeks before I left here, because they had this amazing film going into Outfits that we're going to talk about in a little bit. And all I've heard is they're still buzzing about it. So how amazing is that? It went so well. We have David Milburn and Billy Clift here. Billy Clift is a director, writer, producer, editor. We just talked about it at LA Outfest. It was... Uh, Amazing, a long road to freedom, part of an advocate uh, anniversary special that him and uh, David put together. It had a huge premiere at Outfest on uh, the very last day. So many star-studded people came, so it was amazing. You might have seen Billy's other works, of course. He had some great joy with uh, Hush Up Sweet Charlotte and so many other great things. He worked with our buddy Jason Stewart, editing Like Father. Of course, we talked with them when they were on the radio last time. They both have worked with our buddy Terry Ray. Um, Dave, or, uh, Billy was a producer of My Sister So Gay, which is getting ready to come back for his final season. I think they did edits and retouches. We were doing that week. yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, we were editing it yesterday because some of it's going to be at Cinema Diverse. One of the episodes is going to be there. Uh, so we were editing it. I directed it. Very nice. Man, I love all the little connections. Yeah, fun. Small gay world. And then, of course, David Milburn is an actor, producer, and writer who is the genius behind uh, the road dream, along with Billy. 
He's also active extensively. We talked about last time, Gods and Monsters, one of my favorite shows. We got to work with Serena McKellen on. Um, such a great producer for Here TV, along with your hobby uh, partner that's a big boob there and everything. You get to do some great projects for Here TV. If you want to hear more about uh, works behind great, great things, uh, In the Line of Fire, you saw Muriel Hemingway, or, or In Her Line of Fire, Muriel Hemingway. So, um, Great stuff, guys. Welcome to the show, David Thank and Billy. Thanks for coming down to Palm Springs. Hey, anytime hey. to get away. Anytime. This was playtime for David and I to get away from work <laughs> for a minute and just do something fun and silly. And be uh, with you. Yeah. 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 Well, we have such a fun time talking the other night. And it's so great. It was like last minute right before the premiere. You guys were going the next day. That's right. That's film. right. Well, let's go ahead and start there. Let's talk about a long road to freedom. I mean, I saw people saying, oh, my God, I got to meet Gloria. Or, Gloria Allred, right, yeah. Allred yeah, she was there. Talk about the premiere. Was it everything you thought about more? Because it was actually more than I ever thought of because, you know, I mean, it all starts out small, these things. They come up with an idea, and you kind of move along, especially in a documentary, which is a very different thing for me to attack. Uh, and it just it grows, and people say, oh, you should interview them, or you should interview them, and it just kind of grows and grows, and people – more come on board, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But while you're, it's happening, you're not realizing it's getting bigger. You're just doing your job. You don't, you know. I mean, you're you're running and doing someone like uh, uh, the head of NBC, and you're not really thinking about Bob it Greenblatt. because, yeah. yeah, Bob Greenblatt, the head yeah. of NBC, yeah. on the yeah. set of Will and Grace, and you're, you're you know it's a big deal, but at the same time, you just got to get done. And Billy, remember how that came about? Bob Greenblatt called us. He said. Wow. I hear you doing a documentary. I want to be a part of it. Yeah. And he so, says, let, let us get back. Yeah, let, 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 let us get back. You're the chairman of NBC. You think we don't want you? And, and then our, our suggestion of being on the set of Will and Grace, and they say, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. So that kind of stuff. It just grew and grew and grew. And everyone then – it was interesting because at the beginning it was hard to get someone to talk. Yeah. And then as they, as they started – the buzz started happening in L.A., and it was – caliber of people started jumping on board. Then it was like, oh, well, I want to be. It actually, towards the end, it was like, well, how come you didn't talk to me? Uh-huh. And I said, well, I mean, we actually tried, and it never got to you. And, and you going know? back to that premiere at the uh, Motion Picture Academy in Beverly Hills, uh, a thousand people attended that night. And we had, the, we had the stars there, but we also had the boots on the ground, which are the people in the film as well. So there was a nice mixture in the film and also in the crowd of people that were there in 1967 holding signs and protesting and putting their lives on the line, their very lives on the line. Uh, but that night, uh, there were people in the, in the audience that were looking at the film to take it uh, nationwide, to, to take it, to distribute it across right. the, the country. And sure enough, the next day on Friday, we had a contract for 100-plus theaters Across the country, it opens November second. That, that was that. That was the um, the the spirit uh, that Billy has infused in this film, and it it, it transferred to that thousand person theater, those audience members, and it transferred into getting nationwide distribution the very next day. Wow. What was so wild about it, and and what was wonderful, I I, I was able to speak especially with Paul Collishman. Uh, uh, David's uh, partner, as well as you know, the head of the company, is, is that both of us stood there and said we didn't expect that kind of reaction. You you, you don't know what you have always, 
you know, especially with a little background too, because like I said when I interviewed you, I didn't know about the Black Cat at all. I, I, everyone's heard of Stonewall, and this is L.A.'s time, and it was before Stonewall was even heard of. Exactly. If you want a backstory to the story and some of the people you talked to, because it's an amazing cast and recreations, it's amazing. Yeah, well, the Black Cat was is a and still is there. It's a, it's a restaurant now. Uh, but uh, the Black Cat is right there on Sunset Boulevard, and it was a bar, and a normal thing happened that does all the time is that, that they always expected to get raided in the 60s, 50s, 60s, any gay bar. This was New Year's Eve. They had six or seven undercover police officers waiting for that moment for them to kiss because it was illegal for two of people of the same sex to ever kiss in public, and a bar is considered public. So they were waiting until that moment in time. And up to that time, we had heard that they would allow a three to four second kiss, maybe. But that's still yeah, what it was. But if it was, if it was just a pinch, and it was still up to their own judgment, right, right. And what they felt like, right? It's unbelievable to you yeah. think about that. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, so this, the difference between this and a lot of other raids, because it was normal. I mean, I even remember growing up in, Holly, in Hollywood, and I started going out in 74, and I remember waiting for the possibility of a raid, and we would all have to leave and be on the streets. It was normal. But this, the difference between this particular one is that they beat them. The police not only just said, okay, this is a raid, let's close you down. No, they started beating them, which and, is very different. And it was midnight, so the kisses, and it was New Year's Eve, New Year's, you, the kisses lasted a little longer yeah. because they always do. You know? Exactly. It was just a little more passionate. They were, yeah, they were into the moment as well, being New Year's Eve. They, they had that whole countdown. And those undercover police officers were sitting there waiting. And the interesting thing is that they would hire actors, and they'd give them the ability to to do this uh, in L.A. so that they were pretty. Yeah, good-looking actors for Exactly, exactly. So it happened, and that was the difference. And what that did is it made people angry. I mean, just it just and, and as Alexei Romanov, who was not there, actually we have we cannot find anyone who was there at the Black Cat that night who's alive. Really? And we have to remember Vay. Well, so you can just see how many. Uh, but we did have one person, and the only person we could find who, two months later, they pride uh, a group organized this uh, uh, demonstration of uh, four to five hundred somewhere in, in there uh, of people of gay and lesbians and allies. First time ever, that many people at one time, and they 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 had to they had their signs. You see, we have three pictures in the document. The only pictures there are of anything like this because they didn't know nobody wanted to get a photo. Sure. Because you could be put in jail, you could be you thrown out of your job, you could be just uh, you know your, everything about your life is crumbled. Exactly. And so, uh, but two months later on February 11th. 1967, they did organize this. That many people, and they were in uh, right in front of the black cat, they decided to do it, and they had the picket signs, and they had to go in circles because they weren't allowed to stop, otherwise that was loitering. Mm. They weren't allowed to get off the, the even off the pavement. They would, they would, they could do, the, I can't remember what that was called, but you weren't allowed to get on the pavement because they could uh, also do that. Yes, and you couldn't make a noise because that would be uh, uh, so it was a silent, yeah. so it was a silent I, protest in motion, yeah. in motion before four or five hundred people. And, 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 Billy's, and no one knows that. Billy's recreated both the raid and the um, silent protest in the film with, with so-called sound footage, but it's beautifully narrated by Laverne Cox, 
which we're thrilled to have her on board as well. Uh, Melissa Etheridge uh, did the final song. She literally saw the doc and said, I want to be a part of this. So we really find that what, what we've created here is what I kind of view will be the seminal film of the LGBTQ movement to this moment in time. I mean, back from 1967 to. I mean, it was a ridiculous concept, like uh, that I came up with to start. No, listen, let me. I just want to. We don't have anything that says from point A to point B. How did you come up with the black cat? Is that something you? No, I had heard about it. You lived. I lived right around the corner. And I knew about it. I knew about it. I'm amazed that no one had. I kept that, you know, like you know, spotlight. Exactly. And you know, you're one of those people, and I'm one of those people where you're like, well, somebody should do something about that. (laughs) (laughs) And I must admit that when we had the political upset that happened, that I was like, well, I'm a filmmaker. I should be doing things. This is how I can. This is how I can go out with my sign because I'm not that person, but I can do it. And this, right. so I found my voice, and and this was the beginning. And then it was very short. I started shooting some stuff. They heard about it very quickly, Mr. David and Paul. We had dinner at the Black Cat, and I was handed a check to start production, which of course changes everything because now I don't have to work on all the other. I can't. I don't have to be in survival right. mode. I can actually create the project. And since The Advocate was the magazine of record, the only record of, of any kind of media, it was easy to, to uh, hang our hat on that framework. It, it was actually perfect because it gave you that uh, that line, that, that tie-in throughout. It was, it was flawless, actually. It was, it was divine. <laughs> you know what's horrifying is, like, as a 54-year-old gay man who's lived in L.A. 30 years I've driven but you look 44. I, well, bless your heart. I, I, I've driven by the black cat. I find I, I pride myself with being like knowledgeable of everything. I had never heard this story before until I heard about the documentary. Yeah. It's bad. I mean, on one hand, I'm so happy you're doing but it. But that's why, and I knew, I had talked to so many people, and they go, what? Right. And I'm living in L.A. all their lives as well. And they go, what? What do you mean? And thank goodness we did buy, find Alexei Romanoff and was able to have him from his own voice of what it was right, like. Right. I mean, he's, what, 80, 87 maybe now. And he's, uh, uh, he had so many great people talking. You had Justin Lance Black, you had Gloria Harlan, you had all these different people. Um, interpersonal, what they thought about the time, because it was a whole different time period. Steve Jones, Thomas Ted Malton. Yeah. And then yeah, you, the great thing about it, too, is you didn't start there at gay rights. You went through the entire thing, up the trans and everything else. And you kind of went through our entire journey. So talk about how you decided to continue the journey. I thought it had to be. I thought it had to be exactly where we are today. And with the understanding that we all should have, and I know other people did, is understand that it's all the same. So when we went into black rights, well, black rights, black lives matter. And, and trans and all of that, and it's women, all the same women, thing. Women's rights, same, same rights, same rights. Exactly. It's, it's just the understanding that we've got to end this with that, you know, we all have right. to have our rights. And, and all have, has to be. And the advocates still continue, you know. So they were there for 50 years, so the film is, is there for 50 years. And what, also what was great, which is kind of where the, the, the doc ends, too, uh, um, uh, besides an amazing thing that Cleve Jones happened to say, that, uh, that I actually, when I interviewed him, I went, there's my answer. You know, that's it, that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that it was it, and it is. But uh, uh, 
uh, we, it, what was wonderful is that that year we at the Pride Parade was not a Pride Parade; it was a Resistance Parade, and Alexei Romanov was the uh, the Grand Marshal, which was such. I was just like, "Well, you set that up great for me." Thank you very much. The universe was handing us a lot of gifts. Exactly, so we had a lot of gifted talent too. I mean, to to just this for moment, TV to be that precious to know that this is a story that still needs to be told and everything. What was what was their thoughts about it and going into it? I mean, what made it? There, there was no question. I mean, Here TV, uh, as Billy said, wrote the check, said, do this, do this now. And uh, I was so thrilled that they um, uh, entrusted me and, uh, of course, Billy, obviously, with his talent, uh, to tell the story. And personally, I was never, I, just like Billy, I was never an activist. It's like I'm, a, I'm an actor. I go from job to job, to movie to movie. Uh, uh, but when I got down and dirty and in the trenches with these people who we stand on their shoulders, I said, oh, my God, we need to celebrate these people. We need to elevate these people. We need to tell their stories. And I need to thank them. And we all need to thank them because I'm able to live the life I want to live because of them. And I, I hope and pray to God for the work that we've done on this film that uh, younger LGBTQ people will also say, oh, my God, yes, these people paved the way for us. And uh, that makes me an activist now. You know, I'm an activist. And, and there were young people, uh, uh, like you mentioned before, you're, yeah. you're, uh, that were there that night. That's what really proved that we had just did something. Right. Was yeah. when we sat there with a 19-year-old who said, I, full I never audience. knew. You know? Yes, and, they, and people were crying, and people were, I mean, I was, I was sitting on the side going, you know, what's well, this reaction to that? Because you don't know. And you've seen it. You know, all you, you yes. know, you've been I mean, the amount of time I saw that doc over and over and, and you know what I mean. And yeah. the crossover yeah. audience for this, when it, when it opens nationwide, the crossover not only with, like, so, uh, Black Lives Matter, women's rights, we had heterosexual couples, middle-aged couples coming up to us and saying, we had no idea. Right. We had no, what do you mean we had no idea? Oh, that's right. You're not part of the LGBTQ community. But now we know. We understand the struggle. We understand the 50-year fight uh, so that we could be authentic. These were educated, middle-aged, heterosexual couples coming up to us and saying, we have no idea. And so you can imagine how that's going to affect them come voting time, right. come, and, and how that shifts their perception. Right. Sure. Well, the, you know, the whole third act is a call to action. You know, and the distributors who said, we're going to get this movie out November 2nd, right before midterms. Right. Uh, so Thanks people, so you know, just get out and vote. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so important, too. And like you said, some people don't know. That's why you need to get these things to the P-Flags and distribute the P-Flags all over the country and, and get that straight allies who already are bought in and invested in because of their family but really don't know the history. They're just doing it because they're supporting their son, daughter, whatever it happens to be. But they really don't know the history. No. That's the things like these that are been, changing lives. It's wild. And you need to have that stuff out there. Bruce yeah. Valanche makes a point in the film. And I learned a lot by, by the people that are in the Oh, film. yeah, we Bruce learned. Bruce Valanche right. said, you know, the, 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 the 70s, the decadence of the 70s, you know, the, and the, what gays were allowed to do uh, really was predicated on the fact that birth control for heterosexuals came into play in the 70s. 
So if heterosexuals should be hedonistic and all that, well, certainly gay people can too. But we didn't have to have the birth control. Right. You know, right. Exactly. But it the whole attitude yeah. so they could be more out. We could right. all be more out. As, yeah. Because if they were doing it, we could do it. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Let's fuck like that. No, I never that, right? The amount of it. There are a lot of these groups would come yeah, up with that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love the reenactments yeah. that, are, don't, that look like it's found footage. I mean, everyone I talked to important people thought that, that was actual yeah, footage. Yeah, no, I, I recreated but it because the brilliant. I, I thought that it needed. It, I thought you know just a, a little bit of the beginning. You know, I didn't go very far with it because I I'm not always fond of when they do recreation. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. It depends on your on on your ability. Uh, I just felt that I had to take the audience there uh, uh, to the best of my ability to make you feel like you're in 1967, along with music that I found from the 60s that were done by majors of people, but changed the name to Camp Records, and and this old, I mean, all Queenie type music that I was able to find, so that I could really assist. Besides making right. it and feel and look old, but you know, yeah. make you feel like you were watching old sound footage. It was amazing. Uh, there, there, when, I got, when I got to talk to you the first time, you had just sent me over the film the night before, so I only got to see little pieces of it, but uh, watching the whole thing, oh, oh my God. There was some disclosures, though. I mean, Cher talked about uh, uh, what it was like to, you know, when um, Chaz uh, came from Chastity. Uh, she tells a story that she, uh, when she uh, called um, Chaz's phone and, and Chastity had not replaced her phone answering machine. So Cher really gets personal to me. This may be the last time I ever mm. hear my daughter's mm. voice but on the morning. phone answering machine before, you know, and she'd already transitioned to Chaz. You know, it's, it's disclosures like that. Andy Cullen in the film says, you know, when my mother found out that it, 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 when my mother found out it was going to be on the cover of The Advocate, she said that was the best thing in the world that could ever happen to me. It was such a, I feel so fortunate, you know, that, that they trusted me, that David Milburn and Paul Collishman trusted me. And just, it, it didn't feel like they had much of a struggle, which was, all, you know, it just felt like, well, you can do this. <laughs> we, knew, we knew Billy's work. I mean, I, I'm in Hush Up Street Charlotte. I, right. I produced that. And, We've worked together. We've worked on Falling for Angels, a new series that's, that's out there right now. And Billy is just, I mean, I told him, I said, you know, this is going to make him. This film is going to make him because uh, it's just that good. He's that good. Well, I can't wait to see where it goes from here. We'll talk a little more later about a lot of awards, what it means. But award season incredible stuff. And I can't wait. To, so you have an actual release date very soon. Then. November 2nd. November 2nd. Yeah. Wasn't that why? I can't wait to drive by or go and see a theater with this on the, the marquee, I will piss my pants. <laughs> on your way to voting. Yeah, yeah, on my way to voting. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I mean, uh, I, 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 I'm blown away. I'm no, really blown away. I was just curious, because I love documentaries. I love, I don't know if it's because if it's I work in scripted, that I just, I, I don't watch it as much anymore, but I'm addicted to documentaries. Do you think you'll do more? Oh, I definitely. Mean, have, have you gotten the bug now? Yeah, when that? when uh, the right uh, uh, subject hits me, yeah, then I will go for it. You know, I, you know, I mean, I might not do it as at, like at this particular right. one and and kind of piecemeal it, which is okay too. Yeah, right. So this is a year and a half. Yeah, right? and I was going to ask you how. Year and a half. 
and that was because we really had an idea of when this had to be done, and it had to be done ASAP. Yes. Because of when I started, and you know, it was the 50th anniversary, and this is past the 50th anniversary, but still, not that there's anything that's changed. <laughs> what, what's going to happen though is too, we shot so much footage, and it's so tasty that uh, Billy has come on board to do another um, uh, television show for Here TV, uh, Here TV, um, which will be the heroes of Here TV, which will be the footage that we could not include in the oh, film. Great. And that alone, each of these will be a one, you know, kind of one-off uh, mini docs on each subject. Uh, believe me, each of them had so many tasty stories to tell that we couldn't include in the yeah. overall picture. Uh, but I can't wait to see that. Yeah, yeah. Me, me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see it too. I can't wait to start. As a matter of fact, I'm going to start this week wow. uh, editing. So, uh, um, it's, it's for example, a story. Gloria Alred tells a story that she took on a case of two lesbians who were not uh, allowed to touch each other during a romantic dinner at Perino's restaurant. And I can say Perino's because it's no longer in business. Um, and they wanted to celebrate a special romantic evening, and they said, oh, you're out of here. You cannot show that type of behavior in, in this restaurant. Gloria Alred took on the case. She said, uh, excuse me, you had a uh, star animal chimpanzee sitting in this <laughs> restaurant eating dinner, and you're not allowing two lesbians to be authentic and show their love over a dinner. And he said they, were, they weren't even really doing much. It's just that they were together and it was obvious that they were But together. she found out that they had yeah. a chimpanzee yeah. there. That's how she, she would have won the so first one, probably. Added stories like that is, is, is yeah. really going to make this new Gloria, oh, what an amazing woman. What, I, I, being with her for as long as we sat and interviewed, and David happened to be there that day, of, uh, it was here TV who got, got a hold of her. And uh, she certainly shifted every perception of reality of, what I, of who she was on what actually a sweet, kind, funny human being she is uh, because we only think of her as when she's right. sitting there. And that's her job right. is to look hard and, and, you know, and you think of her as a celebrity uh, just kind of sensationalizes. Well, she's from L.A., she knows that's how you she do it. Inoffensive. Right. She goes back. She goes yeah. completely. Yeah. She at, was there. At the premiere the other night, she was literally in tears after the film ended. And and so was uh, Bruce Cohn, you know, the producer wow. of yes. uh, Milk and When We Rise. And I look at, uh, he was sitting right next to me, and I look at what Bruce Cohn and Dustin Lance oh, Black have done. Only my favorite people right. You know, these are people who took our story and made them story form and were are celebrated in my mind and did such a wonderful job, then they're looking at our documentary and thinking, oh, it's yours, it's yours. It's like, oh, my God, but it's yours, it's yours. Yeah, I, I was so shocked because these people came up to me. And they were they, – that's the same as I was saying that Paul Collishman was as well because we had a chat about it, was that they were ecstatic about it. I mean, they were like this. Yeah. Oh, I'm just shaking them. Oh, like, like, <laughs> tambourine. Tambourine. <laughs> I mean, I just – I didn't expect that. Yes. I didn't. I thought, oh well, you know, yeah, they go. Oh, you thought it'd be the polite LA. Yeah, yeah I didn't expect job. them to grab a hold of me and shake me literally, wow. or, or you know, and and I know that Paul and both of you, and yeah. you experienced the same thing. We were shocked. I didn't know. I didn't. You don't know what you, you know, have. have. Are you allowing yourself to like really take it in? And, you know, and, you know, what what I, mean? like, I can't. <laughs> 
I don't know what to do. Like right now, I, I just go to the straight next thing to edit and the next thing to edit, and you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, I, I kind of want to allow it to keep on going because we've got another uh, screening in Long Beach opening night, and then one here and yeah, uh, uh, opening night. And then, uh, uh, and then it comes out in theaters, and there's also a talk of another something that we can't talk about at this time. And, and I want to just kind of like yeah. taste myself. That's <laughs> like a good meal. Yeah. yeah. yeah let me, let me, so I'm, only at, I'm only at the starter. Yeah. <laughs> the starter of the meal, you know? I have a little appetizer. I just love the fact that good people come together sometimes in show business. Like you said, it's meant to be. There were obstacles. All along the way, it just seems like things. It, it, you know, at the beginning, happen. you don't know what you're doing. That's what I, happens to me. But I never know what I'm doing. Right. Well, who does? You know, who really, really knows what you're doing? You're yeah. sitting there. You've got an idea. You're always shocked that it actually sometimes usually works. But I'm always shocked. I'm always shocked that I have an idea that it works. I think I think Hollywood, though, in general, and Jasper, you probably know this, is, is kind of uh, emperor's clothes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah. sophomore. It's not cool until somebody tells you right. it's cool. Right. And then they jump on board. Yeah. You know, I think the mission statement behind this documentary, uh, everybody could jump on board. And then when they start hearing about it in the buzz, Billy says, then it would be here. But still in Hollywood overall, and Scott, you probably know this, it it is a sophomoric mentality. Well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, there, there were filmmakers like that. It's like once you get the ball rolling, that's when all the people come. But then they go, oh, yeah. Up, up the hell. Yeah. Oh, you. Oh, you have them. You didn't need them. You needed them before. Right. To, to make this project seem cool, you know, to make sure you're in the right circle. It's like junior high, yeah. you know. It's, uh, I hate that about Hollywood. Yeah, that's it's people who strike out. But I know when we did Gods and Monsters, Bill Condon was ready to give up business altogether and go back and become a professor. And uh, Disney turned Gods and Monsters, turned, put it in to turn around, we're not going to do it, this and that. And my partner, Paul Collishman, looked at it and said, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to lay out the money and I'm going to take a risk. And it's that type of Billy's risk on the stock, that, you know, Gods and Monsters, is those type of projects that come along once in a lifetime, but you've got to to strike out on your own to have success. And Gods and Monsters um, made Paul's career, and uh, it, it allowed him to buy the advocate and out and, and, hear, and establish okay. here TV. But um, um, you've got to strike out in Hollywood, because if you follow the path, you'll be behind the path. Right, right, right. Very true. That's true. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Jasper Cole about his varied role in well, career. Well, this is very hard to follow. So well, we're talking about apples and oranges, but we have a lot of fun with you as well. Yeah. So, uh, Christina, why don't you go ahead and find us a great uh, little break in there? We're on the Left of Straight show, our final show at the Indulge Resort here in Palm Springs, California. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes.
And we are back, guys. It's the Leftist Trade Show, direct from Palm Springs, California, at the beautiful Indulge Resort here. We just had, finished talking a little bit to Billy Clift and David Milburn with their fantastic documentary that's just burning up the airwaves. And we found out it's going to be coming in November, right? November 2nd. Everywhere, November 2nd. We also have my buddy Jasper Cole here that I've been able to talk to so much on the phone. And finally, get to see him in person, an actual... Palm Springs resident here, and David's a part-time resident, too. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but welcome to the show, Jasper. Um, I want to talk, you're on everything, you know, so many, I I sprayed my little finger going through your IDFB because you're on so many little things, and you did some great roles, and you're so recognizable. Talk about your career and what it's meant to you and what you love about it and what kind of been challenging for you. What keeps me going? Why am I still doing it? (laughs) Well, it's funny because I say many times it took me... 25 years to get top of podcasts, you know, and it's been the best thing ever. It's like I've been wanting to get on that list just anywhere, really. But it's funny because I, the first part of my career, I was just sort of in that boring, you know, like not Hollywood good looking, but just sort of the college friend. I don't know. I was grateful to work, but when I turned 40, things just, the face changed. I don't know. You, you just kind of have to go with what you have. And I had gotten a TV pilot where I played a drug dealer. And that was so unlike anything I'd ever played before. And then I started thinking, you know what, maybe I could sort of carve a little niche for myself. And uh, I worked with Danny Trejo on a project. Of course, right. And people people kept telling us, we look alike or whatever. And I thought, well, wait a minute. You know, he is a good bit older, but I, I think I'll just uh, create this sort of look and this image because it's a total illusion. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's totally a little bit I mean, it's funny because when I first started getting cast in these villainous parts, I'd have to shoot guns. And even though I grew up in the South and I shot a shotgun, you know, yeah. the actors, we always say we can do whatever. Oh, yeah. And I'm always say yes. Of course. And I'm like, of course I can do it. And I have a clue about it, you know. <laughs> and it's, that's why, like, I had back surgery a couple years ago because I was constantly the actor saying, yeah, yeah, I can fall down the hill. Don't worry. You don't want to be that, no. that actor on set that goes, I can't do this, right? And they always spring it on you, like right, right. When, when you're losing the light. Like, Jeff, <laughs> were you okay to crawl up the hill and then roll down in your boots, whatever? I'm like, sure, I'm a tough guy, right? And inside, I'm like, oh, my God. So <laughs> I did that for a number of years, and I finally hurt myself enough that I stopped. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, I find I'm, I'm so blessed because I'm – my group of, I call it my posse of character actors, we're, like, so supportive of each other. And, you know, it's the same group a lot of times that we show up at auditions, which I guess everyone has their group of people, too. Yeah. But um, for, for those guys that play the meanest guys, they're some of the nicest people ever. And uh, that's not to say that the, the, the leading nice guys, guys are mean. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So, no, yeah, so, you know, I'm a character actor. I have no illusions about or delusions about, you know, being a big star. I never really wanted to be. I, I honestly just wanted to make a living and be respected within the industry. Um, when I moved here, I had co-written a play and co-starred in a play and co-produced a play. So I sort of came to town not just acting, producing and right. writing and acting, um, 
And so about 15 years ago, I bought a management company, Newman Thomas Management. So <clears throat> I also manage 25. A lot of people don't know, but I actually own the company. Yeah, we talked about that. Already. Yeah, so I have 25 active clients that I represent. And so if I'm not working, I'm pimping out the other <laughs> wow. right. So that's all your type of uh, uh, No, no, I have six in New York. I have six in, Atlanta, in Georgia. And then I have about 20 in L.A. and some bi-coastal. But how do you do all that and also manage your own career? Right. Managing 25 other people's careers. Well, you know what's great is the the year I bought the company is when everything went electronic, like the breakdown services and everything. So I do everything on my phone and computer. So I can literally be – I've been on set many times on set. I was shooting with Rupa years ago in the desert and in New Mexico, and I remember I have to have my iPhone with me, of course. So I was hanging upside down, and they said – cut and it vibrated and two of my actors had auditions. So, you know, I'm off to the side like <laughs> sending them the audition so stuff. But it also it kind of um it made me a better actor in the sense that I don't I don't have time to like obsess over the auditions or worry too much about it. You yeah. kinda you gave me something else to right to focus what on. What about right. negotiating? Isn't that fun though to be on the other side well, and negotiating it was a great thing for yeah. me because I, I got to see it on there. I had produced from the other side and that was great on the casting sense because that changed my whole opinion of casting because you realize it's not always about you were bad or yeah. whatever. Right. But yeah, and I luckily I all my clients have agents. Mm-hmm. So I work with the agent. Right. And I tend to let them, but I'm involved in them. Sure. And then you really, and I have this motto with my clients. I tell them everything. And I always tell the agents up front, just so you know, I'm, I, I think that's the actor in me. I'm like, whatever you're going to tell me, I'm going to share with the client because I want there to be a level playing field. Because you know what can happen sometimes. You know, agents aren't always authentic and they don't. Right. Yeah. So, so um, I've had a great relationship. I've worked with Innovative a lot. That's one of the big agencies. And, you know, all those guys over there, they know what if you're going to tell me something about one of my clients, they're going to, I'm telling them. And most of my clients want to, I mean, I have an actor. Everyone would love to know. You You want to know where you are, where you can improve upon. Right. Uh, Did I say something weird? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I would think. Well, I'm the one that will, like, a client will call me and say, I'm at such and such, and they really just were just up my ass or whatever. And and then I find out later they really don't (laughs) like them at all, and I'm always like, well, let's just, let me just keep it real for you. Just That's fine. Be really cool with them, but they don't really, they don't really, they really like you. I'm sure they can't stand you. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean. I just try to and be better. everything on Facebook. Yeah, I love that. But you're from Atlanta, right? And Atlanta's just going crazy. No, actually, right yeah, now, right? I'm leaving uh, next Tuesday. I'm going to be gone for three weeks shooting some stuff. And also, it's funny because I have an agent in Atlanta, and then we share Park Overall and one other client. We share two clients that live it's a little gets a little schizophrenic. <laughs> so I'm going to be there doing that, and also I'm producing a, ra- a reality show in South Georgia about uh, the contouring competition. Oh, oh, you were talking about that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about these projects. Yeah, I actually have. Yeah, I have one um, that of my client Anthony Anderson, who's an African American who lives in D.C. in Anacostia, which is sort of a suburb of, of D.C. And he's had a digital drama called Anacostia for the last nine seasons. It's won two Emmys. But he has now created a reality show called City Boys and it's seven African-American gay men. It's kind of a real housewife with these six gay men and a transsexual character, um, Monroe. And it's them living in D.C. and dealing 
you know, care. <laughs> but but these guys are all dealing with you know different addictions and family issues and mm. stuff like that. So we're we just are wrapping up filming most of the episodes. So I'm excited about that. Oh, then you go to shop it. You know, go shop it. Yeah. And and this, the twirling one as well. Or? Yeah, the twirling one. We uh, what's we, that called? It's called Twirl right now. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's basically three. My my client Eric and Renee, Renee Davis, who's um, or she, ironically from Georgia. She was a Miss Georgia, a Miss Georgia Majorette. I mean, I grew up there. I didn't know there. It's like a whole pageant circuit of twirl twirl competitions. Twirlers from she's from Waycross, Georgia. So you have the the really kind of the African American studio, and you know, and they have their vibe, and then you have the really kind of um, she just says, I'm trying to thrash, you know, there's this one character she teaches out of her trailer, and then you have a very upscale uh, lady, Nikki, and it's sort of the three socioeconomics of this competition, and, and how, like with Tanya Harding and Ice Skating, how it matters, and then they, they're all working for this big competition in Atlanta. I love that. that. But I've just been blown away by I want to watch that. the entire world. It would be fun. Yeah. It's like that. Bring it on is what started all. You had the cheerleaders, then all of a sudden you have the dance moms, then all of a sudden you have the uh, they, they all kind of bring one. It's like, well, we could, we look just as good as those guys and everything. Yeah. And, and, it's all fire. Oh, yeah. I mean, the comp- the actual big <laughs> cup, the competition, it's sort of like the cheerleading, the yeah. nationals. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do... Oh, they do this thing called posing, where they have to strut. They do a strut. Then they do. I mean, it's a gay. And in Georgia, that's a They do. They do the judges. It's kind of a beauty pageant, but I call it um, Dance Mom meets Honey Boo Boo, <laughs> because it's that whole element of right. the different personalities. And she's um, great. That sounds so. Amazing. Yeah, and we have one character, uh, Andre, who's a, a trans, uh, a crossdresser, not a trans. Sexual, and um, he teaches at the salon with the in the trailer, and and then he also works at the Burger King. And some days he's Trina, and some days he's Andre. It just depends on how nice. how he feels. And he works at the Burger King. Yeah, so I love that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me a second about Comic Con. You went to Comic Con this year. Yeah. Now, of course, the first time meeting. So I see you. I'm seeing you and everything, but then I see you in person, and you're a little shorter than I thought, but you're like twice as ripped as I thought. Well, and you have really this recognizable face. <laughs> How do people recognize you? How do people come across you when they come across you? Well, well, I generally always get, you look a lot better in person, which is a compliment because I never look good <laughs> on camera. And, um, yeah, they're a little surprised that I'm, I'm uh, short, I think. I don't know why. I mean, I guess on camera everybody looks taller. Everybody looks bigger on taller. camera. Exactly. Yeah. Especially yeah. put them around the right people and yeah, yeah, that, you know, and, and you know, I, I'm the nice guy, so <laughs> I, that probably throws them off too. I think so. That you're yeah. like, hi, as opposed to, hi, right, right. <laughs> Is that your first time to go to those offices? No, I, I've done the San Diego one about five times, and then I tried, I did a lot of the, the conventions around the country, and, um, yeah, it, it was okay. Signing his picture and all yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that, I actually have an idea for a documentary because that is a whole other subgroup of people, that whole convention. Oh, hell yeah. 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 You yeah. have different levels of it, the Carney level kind of, you know, uh-huh. up, to, up to a San Diego. You have the $5 headshot <laughs> and then the $2,500. And you're like, going, oh, they're still alive? And what do they do? They oh, yeah. yeah. And then like, you have the people who come that are just like, Amazing people, you know, uh-huh. and some of them know 
everything you ever, I mean, I don't know. More than you, right? You know sometimes what they're talking about. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was great. I don't even remember. Well, you don't remember doing you it. You did it one time, and that was Exactly, that. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so that's been an interesting part of the journey. But I love the, the San Diego Comic-Con. It's just, I, I love the con. I've only been to San Diego once. My brother goes every year. I, told, I think I told you he moderated a panel this year. That's right. Um, with uh, Burt Ward, a Batman panel. And uh, Burt Ward's a prick, from what I hear. Sorry about that, Burt Ward. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it happens. Yeah. But well, he goes I, every year, and that's what he, his buddy Wally is a great voiceover artist. And so he, and Wally's a trip. I'll tell you about him off air. This guy's a trip and a half. He's a fantastic voiceover artist. And he does most of the animated series, the Batman series, and all sorts of different animated series all over. So he gets invited to things all the time. So whenever they don't get their tickets, and they can't, because tickets are hard to get to Comic Con. Yeah. Whenever they can't get tickets, then Wally says, well, I'll do a panel for you. That way you can get them all in and go that way. So it makes it easier for him to do it that way. Yeah, but those people, their cons are crazy. Your whole goal is to get me John Barrowman's address. Since you live here, That's and right. you like. I love John. And he, did, he was supposed to be at Comic-Con. He usually comes every year. He didn't come this past He's, year. I've loved him since Torchwood. I'm a huge Doctor Who and Torchwood fan. And he, he had a, two years ago, he had a yard sale here. I went to in it. In Palm Springs. Did you? So you know where he lives. How do I get there? I, I, I want to a yard sale Sonata. I didn't even know where I was going. Right. It was, I just went to a yard sale, and then I looked over, and I went, oh, that's that actor. And I, I bought a tea set. Yeah, we need to find out. I tried. Everyone, everyone I knew went to the damn yard sale. I don't remember how to get back there. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to stop this guy. That's to get bags to give to him just so I can get him on my radio show. Have you so, had him on the show? Huh? Have you had him on the show? I haven't. I got I got okay. through his agent who said that he was a little busy at the time. He's so the show for sure. As yeah. One of those gatekeepers is pretty strong, unfortunately. Well, sometimes, you, yeah, the gatekeeper can do more harm. Yeah, they really can. Because yeah. there were people that so should have been in our job. fourth year in this show, and I've been so lucky where I've been able to reach out on social media. The first two years is all social media. That's all I got, I got people because entertainers, especially LGBT, are very press-worthy. They love doing it. They appreciate it, and it's been easy to find. You can reach out, and you can usually get it. Um, the last couple of years, I've tried to do a couple of things. I have Mona. I think Mona's one that's got me too. Yeah, Mona's yeah. been an amazing publicist. Yeah. I've got like two or three publicists under my belt that sent me some great clients. And then I just started this year doing IDMB, and I hate that shit. It's like oh, whatever. You got to call. You have to jump through twelve hoops to get somebody. But it's it's, it's a game. But I love people that are so simply. You guys, that's why I've brought only people out that I really enjoy talking to. That's the beauty thing about having your own show. Right. You know, I don't care if I grow in numbers. I just want to talk to people I want to talk yeah. to. I come from yeah. a fanboy. And that makes yeah. it authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes it authentic. I don't like you. Like I'm not going to have you on the show. If I think you're a I don't like yeah. the show, I'm going to have I've had people reach out to me and yeah. talk about your radio show. What's the weirdest thing? I had, I had stupid YouTube boys that wanted me to pay them to be on my show. What's your weirdest experience? Good, that's a good question. YouTube boys? Well, you know, YouTube fame. Oh, guys my have, They have oh, a million and a half viewers on YouTube filming. So they, they pay care. them to be on my radio. Yeah, show. Well, I just pay, thought they were some yeah. interesting dudes. They had some interesting videos. So they want to pay. It's like, I don't do that. I, I've been lucky. I've had, I've had people get, I mean, one time, this is, well, I'm going to say who, I'm going to say who, but we couldn't air it because I had a guest come in. And she told us ahead of time she had thought she had had food poisoning, 
and but she was better. So we were doing. <laughs> I, we we should, know where this is going. We should be right me. We should have because at that time I was doing a two-hour show, and and she was my co-host for the whole time. And um, the first hour was fine, and then I noticed she was getting. It was hot in there. That's when we were on camera. She was starting to sweat, and then I had this thing. I don't know what it is, but if someone gets sick around me, I take it on or something. <laughs> and I thought, oh, she's not doing well. So we went to a break, and I said, such and such, are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I'm on, I'm on antibiotics or whatever. So we're, we're on camera. So we're in the middle of shooting and talking, and I we said something about she was doing it. She had done a movie. And then she she goes, I, I love the director. And it just, oh, she went no. right in. She turned to me, and I kind of jumped back, and, you know, it went everywhere, like Linda Blair. <laughs> and, uh, oh, and one put a damper on the show. Yeah. <laughs> so bless her heart, too, right? Oh, but, exactly, um, yeah. So you didn't use the show. We didn't use the show. Yeah. That's, that's been by far the only really bad thing. I mean, it was in horrible, but it's bad for her. Who, um, in both, for all three of you guys, for either talking to someone about your film or talking on the radio, who's the hardest person to interview? Who's been the hardest person to interview? Uh, sometimes, I mean, I don't have a name, but I remember a person actually who lives here uh, that I came out to Palm Springs, and it, it's when they give you one answer, right? Yeah. When they're like, so how are you feeling today? Fine. Uh, so when you were there in 1978, uh, what was the atmosphere like? Well, it was good. I know. And you're like, and you've got can you elaborate? Elaborate. Uh, what was the feeling? Were you, the, you know? And, well, we were having a good time. <laughs> and you're like, that, I think that's the most difficult that thing is. when you're doing a doc. And of course, they don't end up in the doc. Uh, there were so many people that we did shoot that right. didn't end up in the doc, and that just because they didn't, they weren't able to articulate or. Uh, you know, they just didn't paint a picture, right? Right. right. Uh, so, uh, sadly, and some of them were really great people, but, you know, you end up just saying thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> similar to that also. There, you know, I find a lot of uh, entertainers, they can be on when they're performing or whatever, but they're basically shy people mm. a lot. Yeah. I think a lot yeah. of them are. Actually. I've yeah. Yeah. comedians surprising. Comedians yeah. who I thought would talk a lot, mm -hmm. they're the clipped answers. The yes, yeah. They'll, they'll oh, answer your question, but they won't. And I always thought that's what got me to do some research on that. And I told her and everything she knows, but Margaret Cho was one of my first interviews. And I was expecting her. I mean, she's funny. She has these great stories on stage. And literally the interview, I had her set for a 45-minute interview block, and it went 20 minutes, and we were done. Wow. And it's like, it's, that was like one of my very first things. So that's why I started doing so much research. Yeah. And I do like three hours of the research for every guest because as I hear that. Yeah, it's so true. We, I actually interviewed Margaret Cho and she, she did the same really? thing. Never met her. We used her, more of that we used was uh, I also uh, recorded her on stage while she was doing jokes. Well, that, that, we was, ha that was more, you yeah. know, and it was funny because it was at the, the Pride uh, Resist March and so we could do a little bit more. But when I said, when I tried to ask her questions, she just kind of like nodded. Well, yes. <laughs> What am I going to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and I, like I said, I got. She came to Pittsburgh and she, she brought me tickets, so that's why I told her. I said, "You intimidated the hell out of me." I told her the story. I said, "You intimidated the hell out of me when
four times now, and I kind of learned she's still the same way. Uh-huh. But I kind of learned that I give her a you smaller interview than I do. And I ask lots of questions for her. I'm not going to laugh. Maybe they won't ask me. Maybe that, yeah. Super nice the first time I met, but you got to understand that if you're not going to ask a question, she's not going to give you other stuff. Yeah. But on the flip side, you love the, I love the guests that you know you can just ask one question and they're going to go. They're going to talk. Love you know. that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah, which is great. I have to watch myself because I can be that way. No, those are great. Yes. Yeah. I could just go on on a rampage, and then you're like, "What were we talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I always tell people on my show, we're it's ADD hour. We can just go. There's no format here. We're just going to talk and freeform. It. There you Perfect. go. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, we're going to go ahead and take our last break here. When we come back, we're going to do some freeform questions. We'll do some group questions here. We finished it up a little bit, and at the end of the show today, we're going to play my interview I did yesterday at the escape room with the owner, Dominique. So uh, stay tuned for that. You're listening to Let's Go Straight Show, our very last live show here from the Indoor Resort in Palm Springs. Christina, take us away. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes.
<laughs> All righty, we are back. Guys, I'm talking today with Jasper Cole, Billy Clift, and David Milburn. Guys, thanks so much for this great talking about your project. Let's do some general conversation here. Like I said, Jasper, you've moved here now over the last couple of months. You've had a home group for a while. You have a part-time home here. Thank you, Bill. I'm sure you come to visit here. You talk all about interviewing time. people all the time. All I fall in love with here for four weeks. Um, the heat the first weekend, when I, it was 118 the day I got here. That I wasn't that much no. in love with. No. But I decided that my body could take 106. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Anything over 106, I just just caboobulate. But I could do up to 106. It's pretty much been underneath there. Talk about what brought you to Palm Springs for all this time. What made you decide to come here full time, Jasper? Well, um, my husband used to work in Phoenix, and he would we would see each other on the weekends. The first twelve years we were together, so he he kind of thought Palm Springs is a nice meeting halfway point. I had only been to Palm Springs once in twenty years and hated it. I used to say, "Can I talk something?" <laughs> Who the fuck wants to be, live in a sauna, right? So, but after I came and spent a week or two here looking at places, um, I really got this great small town. <laughs> so that's what brought us here, and then I fell in love with it, and it kind of ruined me for L.A. because I was a raw, raw L.A. person, like don't say anything bad about L.A., and then the more I've lived here, you know, you get parking, and the traffic's not so bad, and, and so every it, I think if I never moved here, L.A. wouldn't seem so bad, but um, I just like the small town. It, it's a small town with a very progressive mentality. This is the first time I haven't gotten to LA since my visit here. I've been in the last three years and I love going to LA. I love the hustle and bustle of it. But coming here and realizing that I could actually drive around and get wherever I want to go at this time is it's off yeah. I understand that. But I had to drop my mom off to my brothers in in Anaheim because mom has to have her not very farm chicken dinner if she comes to LA. So I dropped her off I there, and just the traffic far. going down 60 <laughs> to not very far, I said, I'm not driving the rest of this into L.A. I refuse to do it. It's just ridiculous. I call not very far, not very fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I've never been. I've never been. Never. And you know that chicken dinner is not as good as now it's to me. It's not like it used to be. No. Be oh, oh, after I was so upset because I went and, and, you know, you're having your jam, your biscuits, which is part of the whole thing, <laughs> and they were serving Smucker's jam. Oh, I'm going, right. I'm going, very farm where they have I guess they won't be an advertiser on Scott's show. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I was very we gave it one more year. We came out here last year, and she had to have her chicken dinner, and that's when we found out about the jelly, because Mom F loves her boys. Oh, very they, oh. Said, oh, we sold our recipe. It's still our recipe, but now it's made in Ohio. My mom was a little upset, so Deshani come this year, and the, it's just not like it was. You're right, but the not great farm chicken dinner was the thing. Yeah, they had rhubarb, pie, all this great stuff. But it was truly old-fashioned. And it was like that for years. I can remember coming as a little kid all the way through, and we always had to have that chicken dinner, and it was really good. Chicken. Now, the last time my I dad was a banker. Remember three years ago? Pacific Bank way back oh, in the day. Yeah. My dad was a banker oh, for Security yeah. Pacific Bank back in the day. Uh-huh. And that was my dad was the cheapest ass bastard you've ever met. Nicest guy in the world, but that's the one time of year he would get free bank tickets to not very oh, far Disneyland. Whenever we get the free tickets, that was our big year. So. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Scott, the, the desert was, was always the playground of, of, of Hollywood, and the fact that. Um, 
you're two and a half hours away from Hollywood. If they had a, back in the day, if they had a call, a sudden call to get back on a set, they could still come to the playground out here and get back. So that's how Palm Springs really grew. Uh, you know, and, and I find for myself the, the mountains, the way, you know, sometimes they're pink, sometimes they're purple, the sunsets, the space, uh, Joshua Tree, Joshua National uh, Park is just amazing. Uh, to be out there and hear quiet, just stone cold quiet, and then you hear, my God, what am I still hearing? Oh, it's the noise in my head. You know? <laughs> <laughs> let, let's deal with that. I think yeah. I think that's what the what the desert has to offer. Uh, this place, uh, a place to get away. And I remember I started coming out here uh, in my early twenties, and at that time it was all about you know sex weekend, you know, away from LA and parties. Well, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> no, 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 I had sex on the weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm he mentioned the white party. Oh, I've never been. I'm not very far. Oh, no, I've never been. No no judgment on it. It's just not exciting for me. No. No, no, but it was always about uh, a calming effect, and that's what um, – I bought some income property out here, and now I have a second home out here. Uh, And and they call it the gays and grays. Oh, you know, yeah. the gays and gray. I've seen and it. I've seen it. It's I don't mind it. I'm getting gray myself. That's well, why I dyed my hair because when this grows in, it's all white, so I need to balance it out. To be gay and gray is even better, you know, because um, uh, I think the uh, desert has so much to offer now, especially with all the artists that can, aren't being priced out of L.A. They're moving here, and uh, the restaurants and the art scene. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's good. That's I'm falling in love with the street show. They have so every much. Thursday off season here. It's the food. Because yeah, it used yeah, to be, when I came out as a kid, I mean, yeah. we didn't have food. You know, there was no food. No. The food was terrible. The chef moving out from all over the world. So, yeah. total shifting it. And, of course, as the gays have moved in, you know, and the uh, outpricing in San Francisco mm-hmm. and Los Angeles. So many of San Diego. Yeah. They can't afford to be there. So, they're coming right. here. Everything's staying about the same right. here. It's kind of, kind of, you know, along. So, you can get something here and not, not yeah. put yourself. I'll end up here. Yeah, I mean, I know I am. I love it here. Yeah. Have you gone up the tram? Of, of um, I did. I did. I did up the yeah. tram and had a great time up there. I hadn't done it when I lived here before, so I did a lot of yeah. fun. Nice. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it because when I was a kid, this was the spring break kid. Sunny oh, Bono yeah. stopped all that. Yeah. But I used to come oh, here every high school. Right. I remember that. When I was in high school in yeah. college, we'd come up here, and that's when it took an hour and a half to go down Palm Desert Boulevard, and we'd jump in and out of each other's cars all day long, and it would just be just decadent. Yeah, and never Bono come. came up and said, we're not yeah. doing that no more, kids. And it's done. Yeah. It's been done for a long time, from what I understand. No. That I've been here since then. So to me, it's turned into an area that I like as an adult. It was fun. It was great as a kid. I like it even more as an adult. Oh, yeah. It's fun. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's, just, it, it's, it's, it's negotiable. Like, I don't know what it is in season. I don't know what traffic is. Traffic might mean a five it's to ten minute wait instead of a no wait. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's never that bad. It's I mean, never that bad. You I mean, know? you'll hear people complain about the Canadian. I don't know what it is about. I people like complain Canadian. about <laughs> the Canadian drivers. It's like, you know, it's like the New York drivers. The people, right. But I... The longer I was there, Dennis and I would constantly hear people, oh, Canadians. <laughs> and I was like, really? What's the snowbird? Yeah, uh, they're yeah. just nice. They're overly yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're letting people in front of them. They're taking their time. Yeah. And why should they? Exactly. When I first moved to Ohio, that was the biggest difference because I'm used to L.A. Everything, my mind is still L.A. even 20 years later. My mind's L.A. traffic, and you look 
three windshields in front of you to see when the people are stopping and stuff. Ohio, they have to drive 20 miles. They think they're going, they pack for a lunch. It's like, it's ridiculous <laughs> if you go any miles. That's going to my house uh, at West Hollywood. I know. Yeah. On a good day. <laughs> on a good day, yeah. When I came, first time I came with my show three years ago, I decided to do the show from the Grove. I did it from the Barnes & Noble balcony in the Grove. Oh, wow. show oh, there. that's fun. And I had to go to Alexander's show at Sunset Gower uh-huh. that night. So what is it, eight miles into the crow flies? And I didn't know the back way, so it took me 40 minutes to get from the Grove totally to the Sunset Grove. Gower Studios. That's, that's pretty good. Was nuts. <laughs> yeah, it was that's nuts. a hard, yeah, that's a hard road. Oh. Uh, at 5 o'clock, what time? It was right around 5 Yeah, yeah my show was 5 That's seven. just insane. When we lived in Silver Lake, um, I could get here an hour and a half door to door because I just jump on the 210. But yeah. If, if I had an audition or anything in Santa Monica, I could literally drive to Palm Springs faster than I could get to Santa Monica. Santa Monica. I mean, coming back would take me oh, two and a half hours. Yeah. I remember calling Dennis one day and I'd go, I'm just going to leave the car right here. I'm just gonna <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. Yeah. Crazy, but I'm telling you. I, that's why I'm glad I work. And then, yeah. where do you guys like to go on vacation? Take your straight locations. Where do you? Where's uh? Where's your vacation destination? I love Puerto Vallarta. I always love going there. But I'm sorry, that's cliche. I like being around gay people. I actually prefer it. I know that's terrible. Well, you're not gay, but your boyfriend. You're gay yeah, friendly. but my boyfriend is <laughs> gay friendly. I'm yeah. very gay friendly. I, like I do like. I don't. It doesn't have to be entirely, but I do want to work in what it's like. For someone like me, if I were to live there as a gay person, I want to see the whole uh, thing of what that is. I love that. Yeah. And so it's not being just because I want to be amongst myself. It's just that I am that, and they are. I, I want to be in that same environment. I think it's 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 just being. This right. is a great, a great right? segue, Billy. Yes, that's why you love our new travel show on TV. Yeah, Underground. What? Yes. Yes. Travel on your travel show. On TV called Gay Sex Underground. We're just about to put up our third episode, and we will be coming to Pride this year at yeah. uh, Palm Springs to our first episode. shoot yeah. our fourth episode. Yeah, our first episode was San Diego. Our second episode oh, was a two-parter, San Francisco, which uh, uh, dropped on, on here.tv uh, this week. And then the second episode of San Francisco drops next month. And then we'll be in Palm Springs shooting uh, Palm Springs uh, uh, for November. But it's actually a, a show that goes in the underground of uh, the, what sec, um, a gay um, travelers want to see and want to feel and want to experience. It's the underground. That's why it's called yeah. gay sex underground. Yeah. Each episode kind of ends up slightly on the um, you know nasty side. Mm-hmm. With a different ex- uh, sexual experience in every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of hard to do, but we're doing it You're so finding, far. We're finding things. things. We're finding new friends. And uh, Charlie Harding is our host, uh, and he's just wonderful. He's kind of like a, uh, who do we compare him to? Hugh Hauser. He's oh, like a Hugh Hauser oh, tone. That's great. Uh, and, but he's, he's, uh, he was an ex-porn star. And now he's an actor, and then 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 we found him to do this. And but he, he, com- he comes into the these same field. He comes into these cities, and he talks to a bartender, and then the bartender takes him to all the real good places. And Ooh, so well, our, our first step was San Diego. Yeah. You know that kind of stuff. Where 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 are the things to be at certain nights? Right. Things that that if you if you were kind of into that, 
That's what you're going to want to know. Our first episode, one of the segments, we went to uh, Dill's party. Uh, uh, Daddy's not like a party. Right. And um, so we're shooting, you know, like at 3 a.m. in the morning, and, and our uh, president of Cure TV was on location with us, and John Margiardo is, is a straight man with kids. And, and I said to John, you know, we're sitting here at 3 a.m. in the morning, and Billy's shooting, we're getting all this. And the yeah, men are not wearing much. We have, a, we have a segment in the show which, which is called What's Your Kink? And everybody, you know, tells what their kink is. And I said, I said to John, our, our, our straight president of Cure TV, I said, John, tonight's going to be a very good night for you. And he goes, why, David? Well, why do you? I said, because you're the only real daddy in this entire club. <laughs> What's amazing is what people will say on camera. And oh, compared to what they used to, you know, oh, they wouldn't have right. at one time. But now, right, we, you that. ask them what their kink is, and they will, they'll draw it out for this you. This whole segment, what? I'm not complaining. It's I'm, I am always like, you know, and they're all, it's often quite. And the young, younger people are just so open about oh, it. They don't care at all. You know, that's hilarious. This is what I love to do. I love to get, you know, like and I got two guys, and you're like going, yeah. They'll go into great detail, and you're going, oh, well, 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 well isn't that great? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the crew and everyone is just silent. You know, I think you're signing a release for that right now. Exactly. I'm just like, I think it's going to be on the air. Clothing off the floor. I didn't know like what to yeah. expect here. No, yeah. I, and, and then I find out there's 14 of them just in this area alone. Yeah. And talk, and this is a, this is a very tasteful place. I mean, it's a, oh, very yeah. boutique, very yeah. tasteful. It may be naked, but it's not. It's around the pool, something nice. I mean, the pool is pretty happening. But it's very, I, I will very talk about central, it very, and very open. But I got to hear about the old stories before Tinder and all those things. This whole area here, there was people walking up and down the street. Oh, yeah. All out I never did that. This place was the I place never to be. There's a great Back book. Warm Somebody wrote a great book about warm about this area. And I'm like, warm yeah. And yeah, I forgot who the author was. And a few years back, um, I forgot. But it was. Gonna have when you tell Bob Strange, Doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard some stories about this area that just sounds amazing. Actually, that'd be fun. I should find out who he is. I think it'd be yeah, really interesting to have Charlie sitting yeah. with him at yeah. lunch or uh, having yeah. a drink. Talking about what it used to be and, like. And Underground does go into why these cities have become gay meccas. You know, in San Diego episode, we learned the Navy. In San Francisco, mm. we learn other things. And in this sort of... Yeah we, get, yeah, we get into the history of why. We really try to be all across the board. We do tell you where to stay, where to eat, and all that kind of stuff. But, but each, we focus on... Each episode... Well, it's funny because we're not underground anymore, right? Because the LGBT is becoming so mainstream. Remember, we used to have to go into all the back alleys yeah. to find the clubs yeah. and the back doors. So and we write that title a lot, Gay Sex Underground. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing TV. is what we want to do with this is to not to allow people never to feel guilty about being right. real. So right. it's completely, you know, it's, it's, that's why we just, we just, here it is. These are people. This is how you feel. Why is anything wrong? There's nothing wrong here. I love that. Let's finish up our last question. Kind of along those lines, you guys are all filmmakers and in the film industry. Have you talked, heard about... Um, the Savage controversy in Cannes Film Festival they had at all? No. I guess there's this film um, it's by Camille Vidal Nequay. I don't know if I'm saying her name right or not. It's good. Uh, this show is called Savage, S-A-U-V-A-G-E, and it's basically about a young gay hustler, and 
They had all the can people clutching their pearls and leaving because of the gay sex scenes in it. Oh, how exciting. And I think that's really kind of, uh, yeah. what, what, so it's got a lot of, but it's won all these awards it. there and everything. It has amazing, what do you think these days is too much, and is there such thing as too much gay sex? I mean, we're supposed to be mainstreaming a little bit more and everything. There's so much else out there. I think that what the more we can see that, the more or less, more people are no longer going to have the taboo about it. I think we got we we see it heavily in straight shows all the time, right. and if it if it furthers the story and, and it serves a purpose, right? Then uh, and it's you know then that's great. I yeah. mean, if it's just a shock thing, I, I'm not going to be negative about anything. I mean, then that's what it's doing. It's trying to be shocked. Right. But if it really serves a purpose, then while you're seeing this particular thing, what was the what was that film? Uh, um, the guy's a uh, Angry Inch, he did um, uh, a movie where they all had complete oh, sex mm-hmm. in it. And I actually really liked it. Sub. John. Uh, yeah. John Hedwig's uh, second film. It was excellent. It was excellent. Yeah, and, he, and it was completely full. I mean, it, it opened up the, the film with a guy with his legs over his head coming on his face. And you're going, okay, okay, and but it all had to do with it. I mean, as, as you soon, they hit you with it all, right. almost like to go, okay, this is what this is about, and then it kind of softened and you hardly saw anything later, but it was about sexuality and the things that we do, and it all made sense and why they did it. Right. Uh, uh, he served, he did a, it was purposeful. There's a show I do on um, uh, <coughs> TV called Now What, which is the pillow talk after sex. Right. I find that uh, uh, the pillow talk after the act actually is more interesting than the act itself because during that time you either mask, keep your mask up, you unmask, you've just done this animalistic, you know, kind of act. But, uh, it, it, now what is, you know, if it's good sex, it's like, now what? If it's it's not so good sex, it's like, uh, now what? You know, right. yeah, but right. I try to explore in each episode, and there's 16 of them now that we've done, and Billy yeah. shot them, actually, and I he wrote them. Wrote direct, wonderful um, directing and writing. These, these, these stories are stories that we've all had, and uh, to be able to be that fly on the wall and watch as an audience two other human beings either connect or disconnect, and that pillow talk in that flap down, flop down onto the pillow, is very interesting and tasty for me. Yeah, wow. it's, it oh, is. That, that sounds amazing. It is, and and, and it really you you can identify. You're going to find uh, something in there definitely with each one that you identify because we we as um, um, at a certain age we've experienced a lot of experiences. Yeah. <laughs> There's a production company you like here TV. What are they looking for? What are their guidelines or what are their authenticity? Authenticity. This is uh, here TV is is a a, um, a company and network that says you know what we are tired of other people defining how gay people are. Let us tell our own stories because the straight media is going to portray us one way. And, uh, you know, I just saw a crazy Asian, uh, uh, crazy rich Asian. And sure enough, there's that stereotypical gay guy that is the handmaiden, and, and he, he doesn't have a personal life. And I, I, I went to my, my, my partner, Paul, was like, there's the straight media defining us once again. We can do your hair. We can decorate your house. 
We can do everything. Yeah, but flowers. God, right. God forbid we have a sexual feeling of our own right. or have a, uh, um, a personal life. That's what Here TV. We don't do coming out stories. We don't do stories of, of, of AIDS and dying. We do stories of a cop who, who goes out and he's the best cop ever and he just happens to come home to a man every night. That, uh, that type of story we haven't seen. Us defining ourselves and portraying authentic lives that we live. That's what Here TV is all about. I'm very proud of that. That's how it should be. That's how the film should be as well. Exactly. I'm not, back to your question about film, I'm not, I, I think less is more sometimes for me. Just It doesn't matter gay or straight. You know, I'm not I'm not offended by a lot of nudity, but I think just in terms of artistic. Yeah, again, I only want it there if it really serves a purpose as a story. Otherwise, as a writer, I don't write it in unless it serves a purpose. What was the movie, Call Me By Your Name? Yeah. yeah, I thought that they did a great job of sort of it was balancing, elegant. you know, balancing. It, it was that. exactly, it showed okay. you enough of it serving a purpose, yeah. you know. I like the fruit salad in there. Yeah. <laughs> I love good fruit salad. But what, one of the scripts that I finished recently was my Montgomery Cliff biopic. Oh, and and it served a purpose to show some raunchy sex in mm-hmm. it. Because he, uh, in, in this particular scene, I have it going back and forth with because he was they wanted him to marry this woman this w- wealthy socialite who was uh, the uh, the daughter of a huge uh, producer and so he was playing that game because he thought he had to and so I have it going back and forth of her taking home him home and drunk and being put into bed and her laying there like it's not happening along with him meeting this boy in a bar and they're having. They are like fucking, yeah, you know, push and pull of exactly so to have that. So you have her like finally, you know, doing it in, and they're thrusting it in and and falling, uh, you know, and that that's had purpose. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah, that's show, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I heard. I heard they're doing a uh, cab hunter. Um, Tony Perkins. Is that exactly that? Is, is, is playing uh, Anthony Perkins, mm, and perfect. they're kind of being tab. Actually, Tab Hunter, when he was still alive, uh, just like a year ago, came and his uh, his uh, husband pitched me that same movie, um, and I'm glad J.J. Abrams has, has taken it on because it needed that kind of immense uh, scope. Right. And Zachary Quinto is coming on because what's really interesting about that. If you think of those two characters, Tab Hunter was the flavor of the month. He was the hot, you know, boy next door kind of uh, hunk. And Tony Perkins was the actor. Yeah. He was a serious actor. And the fact that those two got together on weekends and had this three-year relationship where you're the flavor, you're the Brad Pitt, although Brad Pitt, I feel, is a pretty good actor, and and and, and then you're the, the uh, more... Um, um, uh, Brando, 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 Brando of, of getting together. What did they talk about right. other than the, you know having great sex or whatever? You know, well, let me talk about you know. And then yeah. you know, <laughs> we need more talk in our age. But the end of that scene is is um, um, uh, the end of the movie. Tab Hunter comes, knocks on the door of Anthony Perkins' house. Forty years later, Anthony Perkins' wife uh, opens the door, and that's a really interesting story. I can't wait for that movie. Wow. wow, that's a great one. Yay, thanks for sharing that. 
All right, guys, it looks like we're going to have to wrap up here while we'll talk about the end. Guys, thanks so much for being on the Lester Strange Show in thanks person. Scott. Yay. Thank you, Scott. Let everyone know where they can find you, your website, social media, all the fun stuff. Jasper? Uh, JasperCole.com and uh, Twitter, JasperCole says, S-A-Y-S, and one, uh, one-on-one JasperCole for the show. Super duper. Yeah, yeah, just on Facebook, uh, Billy Cliff. Uh, also on Twitter, Billy Cliff Film. And you can see most everything I do on Tier.TV. Uh, we're also available on all your cable providers and over the top and uh, streaming services uh, here. TV. Fantastic, guys! Thanks thank so much. You, this thank, you. Thank, you. thank you. All right, Christina. While you're there in the control room, I want you to go ahead and play a song for us. And go ahead. When we come back from the song, we're going to have an interview I did yesterday with Dominique from the uh, Escape Rooms Palm Springs. We got to play a little bit yesterday and do a Merlin's Magic class. You're listening to Left of Great Show right here on Blog Talk Radio. Have a good afternoon.
right, guys. Welcome back to Left is Great Show. I am speaking with Dominique Kruckman of the Escape Room Palm Springs. We had just had our third adventure in a fantastic Merlin's Magic School. Dominique, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Scott. Hey, thanks so much for having us here. This is an amazing place you have here. I'm glad you enjoy it. We have had three groups of celebrities go through. We lost twice. We finally passed today, but you gave us a lecture time, so thanks for cheating for it. Well, three's a charm. I, I don't call it cheating. I think uh, I think we just managed to, uh, you know, find a little find a little a little extra time under the rug somewhere. There you go. I think we bruised little egos the first few times. <laughs> Mine being the most, but that's okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not that smart, so we're okay. So, how long has Palm Springs Escape Room been around? Escape Room Palm Springs. Escape Room Palm Springs. It's been, uh, we just celebrated our two and a half year anniversary. We've been at this location for one year after our expansion, and we were at our first location by the airport for about 18 months. That's amazing. And how many people do you say would go through a week? Uh, probably around 300. I just did the math the other day, and we are up to about 45,000 since the day we opened. Oh, amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And unlike other escape rooms that have one or two themes, you have different rooms here. Plus, I see you're building another one. Talk about where the ideas for these rooms come from and how this all happened. Right. So just to clarify, we have seven physical rooms and six themes total. Okay. Now, while other escape rooms may have as many as four or five rooms, uh, all of our rooms are homegrown. So they are originally designed. None of them are store-bought. And therefore, if you play, you may have played a bank heist at another escape room, but you will never play this bank heist, guaranteed. Gotcha. So you don't have to worry that you are going to play a room uh, in the, here that you may play in another city. So all of our rooms are original and unique. And um, I can't tell you a lot about the, the game I'm working on now. It's a little bit secret. I will just tell you that it has a steampunk theme. And it's uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm I'm hand making some of the props. When Scott walked in today, he he found me up to my elbows in uh, copper and um, uh, pewter paint. It's very steampunky, that's <laughs> for sure. It looks very very cool. And tell them what the uh, rooms you have now are. Right. So we have um, we have a locker room. That's our um, our serial killer room. Uh, then we have our Jack the Ripper. That's are um, it's actually kind of a whodunit. You have to find the clues and the evidence and figure out who Jack the Ripper really was. Uh, then our bank heist, which is for it's sort of a good it's a good beginner room. It's for two to six players. And then our Titanic room, which is two physical rooms that can be played at the same time, either as a race game or as an individual game for up to 16 players at once, eight eight, eight people per room. Uh, then we have our um, Merlin's Magic School, the one you tried today, and uh, then our Vampire's Lair, which is not scary. You're actually trying to help the vampire get into his coffin before dawn so that he doesn't die. You're on his side. That's one thing, like, because I actually had a couple of my guests say they were, they didn't, they were scared to come out because they thought that some of these were scary. Yours aren't really scary. They're just kind of mysterious and fun. They are. We really try to keep this a family-friendly uh, location and uh, as you asked earlier where some of the themes came from and we we try hard to keep our themes universally uh, fun and uh, original while at the same time maybe a little bit familiar like Titanic 
which is based on the historical event, not the romanticized film. <laughs> and we will have a theme like our vampire theme. Everybody knows about vampires, but we didn't want to do something that's been done to death, you know, a trope, like not, not, not a Twilight theme and not a Dracula theme, but something a little different. We put a twist on it where you're actually trying to help out the vampire. He's a victim. Of, of an angry ex. We all have had angry exes, I'm sure, so that you can relate to that and help him out so that you can you can help him live because it's really none of it's his fault. And the puzzles are very exciting, and they're, they're really doable once you think about it and go into logic. I mean, you, you're, you're so excited that your logic kind of goes away for a little bit, but then when you, uh, you're allowed to ask for clues, you just go, oh, well, duh, I just saw that or something. So you kind of feel a little silly. Well, you said earlier something about not being that smart, and I almost stopped you, but I'm going to revisit that now. It's not about being smart. We've had people with advanced degrees be stumped because it's not about having any outside knowledge. Outside knowledge will sometimes hurt you because smart people like you tend to overthink things. And it's not about, it's not about, sometimes the first answer is the right answer. And I would recommend that the next time you come with some celebrities, stop at the first answer you get and try it. Don't keep going. Don't keep trying to tweak it and overthink it. Just maybe try that first thing that occurs to you because that just might be it. That's very good advice. I think we learned that finally third time <laughs> I'm around. I'm glad. I'm glad. So we're, we're getting there. It's, it's just logic. It's deductive reasoning. Sometimes it's taking something literal. I, I often, some people say, well, what are the puzzles like? And I might say to them, okay, if I ask you, what's in the middle of America? Some people say, well, corn, Ohio. And I say, no, it's the letter R. So sometimes it's about taking a puzzle literally and looking at a word and going, okay, it's right, there it is, right in the middle. And each of the uh, each of the rooms have approximately the same amount of puzzles to solve, or is there different ones, different skill levels? Or You know, there there are no hard and fast rules for this industry because it's, it's extremely new. Some people say a puzzle should take no more than five minutes. I don't, I don't necessarily go by that rule of thumb because if that were true, then escape rooms would be cookie cutter and there would be a predictable number of puzzles. Right. I like to say that uh, our rooms are varied and unique. Some puzzles are going to be quicker than others, but a lot depends on how many people you have in your group and how differently they think and how well you work as a team. I will say that all of our rooms have approximately a 20% success rate, maybe from 18 to 25%. And the reason we do that is so that when we have team building groups, they can play against each other without having to feel like, well, we played the incredible easy room and you guys played the super hard room, right. so it wasn't really a fair uh, battle. And that's one of the things I wanted to go into, too. Like you said, this is not just for a game for you and your friends to come out. You actually have corporations and everything come here, and it does grow people. It, makes, it causes critical thinking within learning groups and within business groups. So that's got to be a big help to a lot of people. It is. We've had we've had Google, we've had Home Depot, we've had uh, I've got U.S. Bank coming in a couple of weeks. We've got some terrific organizations that everyone's heard of, and uh, a lot of the ho- local hotels have come and played so that they can refer their guests. We've been very fortunate with our corporate team building because we're so close to the convention center. We get a great deal of convention center business too. I can imagine. And what's been um, the biggest requested room? that surprised you? 
Hmm. I knew Titanic would be a hit because of its universal fame, as right. it were. But I, I just, I didn't think the bank heist would be as big of a hit as it was. I didn't know there were so many secret bank robbers out <laughs> there. But it is, I guess, a fantasy of a lot of people to rob a bank and get away with it. And we do offer that with our bank heist room. You get to go in, and one of our game masters goes with you as the lookout and is in the room with you, unobtrusively, of course, to right. offer clues if you need them, uh, just sort of, you know, keeping an eye out for, for the cops, of course. And if you need a, a clue, they're, they're nearby, so you can ask, and, and it's, it's fun. It, it just surprised me that it's as popular as it is. It is our single most popular room of all. Now, um, do you have some great employees that work for you really become, like you said, part of the room, which has been great. We really, I love the way they kind of go into the character there. Do they ever, after 12 times, say, Dom, if I have to chop this one puzzle one more time, do you change puzzles in the rooms ever? Well, it, we just redid our Merlin's Magic School to remove all the padlocks, so it's completely high-tech now. And that's something that we do every so often in order to keep the rooms fresh. We might change an entire theme, or we might redo all the puzzles. It depends on how that theme is doing. And in some cases... Uh, like in Merlin, the theme is popular, but there were just too many padlocks, and we took the input of our of our players, and we said, okay, we heard you loud and clear, so no more padlocks. Everything's now magic. You get a wand, you get a hat, you get a robe, <laughs> and you have to do your magic like you did. Today. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> i got to tell you, when you get to dress up as a wizard, it's half the battle. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> Talk about what you and your partner, what made you guys decide that all business is going to you want to do this? Well, uh, that's a great question. Prior to this, we were IT professionals. And uh, about a little over three years now, it was June of uh, 2015, Mark, my husband and partner, said, uh, you know, we really can't be crawling underneath people's desks forever, honey. You know, we're getting to that age where it's getting hard to crawl under people's desks. And right. I was in denial and I said, no, no, we will do this forever because this is all I know how to do. <laughs> and shortly thereafter, I got an email from a, a haunted house that he and I loved when we lived back east. And the haunted house wrote to me and said, hey there, haunted house lover, look what we are doing with our venue the other 10 months of the year that we don't have the haunted house. Nice. For every month except October and November, we have made an escape room out of our venue. And I said, what's an escape room? And the email went on to explain. And I said to Mark, look, look what that place we used to love back east is doing. And he said, I've heard of that. And I said, well, we should do that. I wish we could do that. He said, honey, there's no reason we can't. They don't own the idea. We could just bring it here to Palm Springs. And after a little more discussion and after going and playing a lot of them we decided this is something we can do with uh, I have the heart of a writer and a degree in English he's got a degree in computer programming and uh, wow, that's between a great the two of us we were able to build the puzzles build the rooms and the backstories and be an amazing team and not have to buy them online 
Congratulations. That's fantastic. I didn't know you could buy them on my Yeah, you can buy them prefab, you know, spend a couple thousand dollars and download them, but then you risk. Not as much fun, though. Well, but, but to me, I'm so passionate about escape rooms, and what I love about them most is people have to put their technology away, which is, which is so hard to do, especially with younger kids, pulling them away from their iPads or their phones. You look each other in the eyes. You have that human interaction right. for 60 minutes where you say, I, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? And you laugh and you have fun and you crystallize this memory for an hour. And people sometimes say, well, that seems like, you know, a lot of money for an hour. And I say, it's not just the hour you're paying for. You're going to be talking about this for days and weeks right. and months afterwards. Trust and we mentioned it on the first show after we came back the first time and did the Vampire's Lair. But I didn't mention it yet. There is lockers here. You do have to lock up everything. You can't bring anything in the room, no, right? It's just no. your wits. Just your wits, your and, your wits and your friends and I your like reading that. glasses if you need that. I needed it badly. <laughs> sometimes it was a little dark. We didn't get the flashlights until later on today. That's I was right. In trouble. Well, and that's because there's really a light-sensitive puzzle in that room. Right. So there's a reason for that. But, yeah, we ask that you leave all technology and liquids outside. The fire department said no water with electronics, and we abide by that very strictly. So, it, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to unplug for an hour and yeah, see what happens. It's a lot of fun. It's loads And of you really fun. do. You talk to each other. It's kind of great. It is great. I'm so glad you came. Thank you so oh, much thank for you. coming. Now, last thing before we go, I see we're in this great room. Do you do birthday parties so, or yes, stuff and things like we that? Are, we are in the party room, and I hear some people having fun They're in having the lobby. They're having fun already. It's great. <laughs> so this is our party room. I have Chamber of Commerce mixers here. As you can see, the way the tables are lined up in a row, we can put the food there like a buffet. We can also uh, have um, corporate parties here. We can cater lunch. Um, pretty much uh, anything, birthday parties, cake, ice cream, you name it, as long as I they bring that. Food. Like a corporation, they can have a corporate meeting here, they can go do the thing and everything. They've That's done that, yes. They've had their meetings in between, and it is a fantastic room. Today I'm using it to um, uh, paint my props but we can clean it out and have it ready to go anytime. And we will either charge a nominal fee for the room, uh, depending on how many games they play. If it's an all-day event or they block it out, we'll, we'll, give, we'll throw in the room as a little bonus. That's amazing. We'll give everyone all where the social media and website is so they can find it online. Yes, you can find us on escapeps.com. That's the word escape, followed by PS, as in palmsprings.com. And at... Uh, uh, Facebook, it's also facebook.com slash escape PS. And our phone number is 760-779-8888. You can book online on our website or um, over the phone if you would like our help choosing a room, depending on how many friends. And another thing, too, all our rooms are private. You will never play with any strangers. So if you're not sure how many people you have, just book for the minimum number, and then however many people come, come, and they can pay at the door. You don't have to pay for all your friends at once, so you don't have to be the bookkeeper. There you go. That's an amazing time. Guys, we've had so much fun. Dominic, thanks so much for letting us uh, bring some celebrities through and have a little fun. You're very this welcome. This has been the best uh, road trip I've had in a long time. So Thank glad. you so much. It's my pleasure. I should mention it's $33 per person with a minimum of two players, and you, if you want to do a buyout, we can have up to 60 players at once. Fantastic. Well, guys, be sure to check out Escape Room Palm Springs. You'll really enjoy that you did. Check out Dominique and her team here. 
as you can hear, there's a party happening every place. Right next door, they're getting ready for another round. We're having fun here right in the Lefton Strait Radio. You, you know what? On Thursday, if you see that, if you go to the tram, then come to us and then do the street fair, you can do a little circuit and make there it. There you go. Friday, if you're in the East Valley. I like that. This Thursday, we're gonna we're gonna air this. Tonight is Wednesday, so tomorrow, get to the Palm Springs area. Take a trip to the tram where your 105 degrees will drop to a nice 85 degrees or so. Come by and do a little escape room in this beautiful air-conditioned building right on the strip here at the beginning of the strip. And then you can go walk the street fair and have all sorts of good things. Great idea. All right, guys. Well, you're listening to Let's the Straight Show. We're going to have a quick break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Hey, guys, we are back. I lied. We're not going to take a quick break, and I lied. It's not Wednesday. It's only Tuesday. I forgot what day it was yesterday when I did that little pre-tape interview with Dominique. But you guys really have to check out the Palm Springs Escape Room. Escape Room Palm Springs is what it's called. And like you said, it's a great circuit. If you don't know, if you haven't been to Palm Springs, on Thursdays, they do an amazing little street fair. They close off the streets in downtown Las Vegas on Palm Desert. A lot of shops offer little things and put little carts outside. The aerial tramway is amazing. You go up the mountain, and it's a really, like I said, it's probably about 104, 105 degrees here. You go up to the top of the mountains, and it drops about 20 degrees, like 85 up there. And they have some cute little shops you can walk around, some great hiking trails, about three restaurants up there. So take a tram ride on Thursday morning. Come back into the escape room, which is right down the street there. Um, in the plaza, and you can go do an escape room and then drive down just a couple more blocks to downtown Palm Springs and have a fantastic street fair. So this Thursday would be the time to do it. But that's it for our Palm Springs great road trip. Our big gay road trip is coming to an end. Uh, We leave tonight or tomorrow. We're deciding right now we may leave tonight to fight traffic. Otherwise, we're going to leave first thing in the morning. We're going to head to Palm from Palm Springs to San Francisco tomorrow. We're going to stay a, stay a couple nights with a couple friends of ours when I used to live here. They were our next-door neighbors. They're living up in San Francisco now. So we're going to drive up and see them for two nights tomorrow. After that, I'm going to go to um, Portland, Oregon for one night and stay with a friend in Portland, Oregon, Brandon Carmody, that has his own radio show, Gay, B- Gay BC TV uh, News. And we're going to interview each other in Portland, Oregon, where I used to live for four years. And then we're going to leave first thing Saturday morning to go to Seattle, Washington, stay with my dad's cousin for three days. We're going to spend the Labor Day weekend in Seattle, be bopping around there Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And on Tuesday, the Big Gay Road Trips heads back to Ohio. So we'll be going the northern route back there. We'll probably stop at a couple places, don't know where. We're just taking our time coming back and we'll get to Ohio by Saturday or Sunday. So again, like I said, at the top of the show, I am going to replay all of these amazing radio shows. We've been able to do live from the Indulge Resort in Palm Springs starting this Sunday, Labor Day weekend. Uh, They'll be going regular time from five to seven uh, every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all eight episodes followed by coming back live from Ohio on Monday, September 10th. We'll have our first live show with an amazing singer and an author, and I'm looking forward to it all. Christina, you've been a great help. Thank you so much for working in Ohio here. I'm going to let you go ahead and finish us off when I uh, sign off here. 
uh, and I will talk to you real soon back in Ohio. Guys, thanks for following the Big Gay Road Trip and the Left and Straight Show. Big shout again to Indulge Resort here, to John and Sandy, the owners, to Raymond, the manager. Had a fantastic time in Palm Springs. We're hopefully going to be back here next year for the month of June. You've been listening to Left and Straight Show. My name is Scott, and we're out of here. Bye-bye.